cool. Hi, I'm Sean Prasad. I play Tommy in the Netflix movie Mank. I'm here on Below the Belt. And uh, go team Mank. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Yes, that's right, guys. It's time for another amazing episode of BTP, Below the Belt Show in the Mother Effin House. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure. We have an, an, another amazing show, another amazing panel. So let's go ahead and introduce the room, the virtual room, if you will. Starting with that's right, guys, he is the one and only the Persian Prince of pop culture he's a fan favorite he is also known as the man with the calming presence yes um i could i guess he's good for um those with high stress high blood pressure he's the one and only support alpaca he's the one and only mike the general zod it is fantastic to be here i um it's i guess it's it's been a few weeks and um there's so much exciting stuff to talk about. So. Yes, we have a lot to talk about. And uh, again, an amazing show, uh, amazing panel. So let's go ahead and introduce. That's right. He is back by popular demand. He is a production man extraordinaire. He is a cosplayer extraordinaire. He is the one and only, oh, wait, also a podcaster extraordinaire. He loves to plug his <laughs> other podcasts here on Below the Belt Show, but that's okay. Mm. Because we like the guy. He is the one and only Jesse Fresco, a.k.a. Hardcore Bloodshot. I'm back once again. <laughs> you just can't seem to get rid of me. <laughs> Good to have you back, Jesse. And, of course, you know we love the cosplayers on Below the Belt show. We've had quite a few over the years, including our favorites like Lainey Fenimore and Megan Mattingly and... Tiffany Marie Ford and Anna B. Cosplay. But you know what? I felt like we had to continue with the cosplayers on BTB. And luckily, I have a resource such as Jesse Fresco to bring on another great cosplayer um, who uh, relocated to the Lone Star State in Texas. And we're happy to welcome her on Below the Belt Show. We have Brittany Joy. Brittany Joy, uh, good to have you on BTB. Howdy, y'all. Good to have you. Thanks for joining Good to be us. Here. Brittany, I'm happy you, to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any podcast experience or um, 
hosting experience? No, no, I'm a podcast virgin. This is an <laughs> exciting opportunity here. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're lucky that we're your first time. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to have you on BGP. Well, let's, let's shine a spotlight on you, Brittany, because again, we love having the cosplayers on the show because I feel like the cosplayers embrace everything pop culture. They know, know about, they talk about it. They live and breathe yeah. it. Um, sure. Tell us about um, your cosplay experience, how it got started, where your love of cosplay came from. Yeah, so, oh gosh, I think it was back in like 2012. Um, I was just looking for a Halloween costume, actually. Uh, my uh, boyfriend at the time was really into Wolverine, and I was trying to look for a character that would go well with Wolverine. And I really had never been into comics before. I really just didn't know anything about them at all. And uh, after starting to look into it, I found this character called X-23, Laura Kinney. Yes. And the more I read about her, the more I just completely fell in love with this character. I mean, she's a total badass. Uh, so I... Hopefully that's okay to say. I don't know. Should I be censoring oh, myself? Oh, you can myself? say whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we okay. swear all the time. It's fine. We're uncensored. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. It's so funny because uh, usually it's like, can I say fuck? But he's like, can I say badass? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's little kids listening to the show. I don't know. Uh, okay. That's quite all right. <laughs> so... Yeah, so yeah, I, I found X-23 and I just completely fell in love with this character and started buying her comics and reading her stories and obviously made, or at that point I actually bought her costume because I didn't know how to make anything at that point yet, uh, and uh, made her costume and uh, wore it to my first con, which, which was in 2014, I went to Awesome Con. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And, that was my first con experience ever. I had no idea what I was getting into, like no clue. We just showed up in costume and just walked around and we didn't know what we, what we were doing, but it was so much fun. And I met two people who are now like two of my best friends there. And uh, it just became an addiction, you know? Um, I did X-23 at that first con as well as Zoe from Left 4 Dead. Um, because I still love that game. I still play that game all the time. I don't care if it's like a decade old. That game is awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, just I, I haven't stopped since then. Just keep making new coffee. I love it. Year. Well, if you want to check out more of Brittany Joy, you can check out her Instagram. It's Brittany Joy. And um, wow, there are some very, very... Um, if I can say very sexy cosplay <laughs> photos in there. Um, and you mentioned Wolverine, of course, there's your X 23 uh, right there. Um, yeah. And then, well, one of my favorite costumes or cosplays is uh, Psylocke. And uh, um, I don't remember Psylocke having a, a thong back, but uh, I, <laughs> I do not object. I, I am completely all for it. Um, very, very, very gorgeous photos. Um, Wow, and uh, for you Mortal Kombat fans, uh, we've got a little bit of a, a katana, um, which we will yeah. be talking about the movie shortly, um, yeah. the katana cosplay. Wow. So, so yeah. what kind of what kind of effort do you put into these cosplays? Are they they are they handmade? Are they are they um, store bought? Do, what what process goes into uh, putting these cos cosplays together? 
Yes, actually, you mentioned Katana. That was actually my first ever completely handmade costume back in 2015. I had never sewn before. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I just bought some blue fabric and just kind of like winged it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just kind of like, I don't know, this looks like the shape of a boot. I'll just cut this out and sew it and see if it fits or not, and then change it if it doesn't. Um, okay. Yeah, so before that, in 2014, I was just buying things. So I just bought things for my first X23 and for Zoe uh, from Left 4 Dead. And then in 2015, I was like, you know, there's so many costumes that I want to make and wear, and I cannot afford to just keep buying all of these things. And some of the things that I want to wear are just, you can't even buy them. Like at least not without getting them custom made, which is just right. outrageously expensive. Right? right. So I'm like, you know, I, I, I better learn how to make these things. Like I wanted to do uh, Celine from underworld and wonder woman and all of these other costumes that are pretty complicated. And, uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to learn how to sew. I'm just going to teach myself how. <laughs> and so wow. I bought a machine. I, bought some fabric and I just started watching a bunch of YouTube videos and the rest is history. So yeah, now everything, uh, almost everything that I wear is handmade. Now, occasionally on rare occasions, I will buy something that's pre-made and modify it. Okay. Uh, so like last weekend, uh, my fiance and I went to the Sherwood forest Renaissance fair here in Austin, Texas. Very nice. And uh, so I took a pre-made dress for that, and then I modified it to fit the character that I was trying to portray, which is Atalante, a character from Greek mythology. And nobody knows who she is, so I can tell that story if anybody wants to hear it, but I doubt they do. <laughs> General Zod, you're very good with trivia, Mike. Uh, do you know anything about the character that Brittany's yes, referring to? Who, who is Atalante? Atalanta was, oh man, this is, because uh, the name sounds very familiar, and I remember in ninth grade or so, when we had our mythology unit, somebody did a story based on Atalanta, and she, uh, was, was she a hunter? I know that's Athena is usually the yeah. hunter, but... Well, yeah, yeah. So Artemis, she she venerates Artemis, who was like Artemis, a, hunter, yeah. a huntress goddess. But yeah, Atalanta was a hunter as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's about as far as I know with it. So. <laughs> well, just joining us here on Below the Belt show, a little technical issues, uh, a little um, a little earlier, but he's here, guys. He is the one and only king of the '80s, the demotivational speaker, Chachi McFly, joining us here on BTV. Thanks, Al. I'm sure that was a great um, intro you gave me earlier. That. That he we, was uh, insulting you the entire time. He was okay. That's about <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm glad no that... idea. I got this new thing called America Online. Um, <laughs> and it, like, I guess, like, whatever my minutes for the month. So I had a, you know, you used up your 500 hours. ASL messages. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. I was on there, and then my parents like um, picked the phone up and, and yeah, messed up everything, right? Yeah, horrible. It was horrible. Oh. But I'm here now. So okay. I'm glad to be here. I remember being back in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Chachi, it's good to have you back. We're just uh, chatting with uh, Brittany Joy, cosplayer extraordinaire from Austin, Texas. Hi. Joining us here. And Brittany, um, what is your, what's the most intricate costume you've ever made? Like, which one took the longest amount of effort? Well, so there's two parts to that question. Uh the first part would be which one took the longest in terms of material construction. 
Mm-hmm. And then the second part is which ones have taken the longest in terms of physical effort, because uh, a big part of the costumes that I do, what part of what I love about costuming is that I really like to be able to portray the character physically. Like I like to be able to feel like, uh, mm-hmm. like I can embody them. You know, like if I'm if I'm per- doing a particularly athletic character like X23, I want to be able to look the part physically as well. So being in shape, you know, having some muscle definition, things like that, like that is important to me too. Like it's also just a huge motivator for me to stick to my gym routine, to stay in shape. Uh, I can relate. So yeah, right. Jesse gets it. He does the same thing, right? So Honestly, like cosplay is the biggest gym motivation for me. Like knowing that wow. I'm going to be in some somewhat revealing costumes, I'm like yes. I better be in good shape for this. <laughs> Plus, you need to fight off all those creepy nerds. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that that, that, that is true. Me. That reminds me, like Al, remember when we went to Baltimore Comic Con and there was that one Psylocke who looked like he kind of ate three different Psylocks before. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is really, really terrible in me. Have you been gentle to the body positivity panel? The cosplay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta go to this. No, no, she looked, she looked, I mean, the costume was incredible. Of course was, the costume uh, was incredible, but I, I get it. Was, it. Was, I, it was, uh. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, I get it. You, you do want to look the part, but of course, yeah. yeah cosplayers come in all different shapes and sizes and, yeah. Absolutely. and yeah. ethnic yeah. genders yeah. and all yeah. that. Look at them. Yeah, anybody can wear whatever costume they want. And I just know that for me, like, if I'm going to be wearing something showing my stomach or my legs or whatever yes. else, like, I want to be looking my best. That's just me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, super I'm just checking out your Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Got a couple 90-day um, progress photos from your intense, I guess, uh, workouts and trying to get back into <clears throat> cosplay shape, which um, we do hope the cons are coming back. Yeah. I know Texas is a little more free than uh, the DMV. Um, yeah. Does Texas plan on having any common cons coming up anytime? I honestly have. Well, actually, no, I do know. Uh, I think there's one this May or June, I think, in okay. Houston. I think Comic Palooza is going to be happening. Wow, very nice. Um, yeah, that's the first one that I've really known about. There might have been others going on, but like that's the first one I'm actually aware of. Um, and I know that the Ren Fairs have, you know, been going on this whole time, which is a little bit different because they are outdoors as opposed right. to like everybody crammed inside a, a convention hall. But mm-hmm. um, but I haven't been to any of them except for, you know, most recently the Ren Fair last weekend, my fiance and I went. That was kind of our first big event out uh, since the whole pandemic because right. we are both vaccinated now so we're like yes. woohoo time to celebrate <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. very very nice well um i think uh, someone alluded to uh, creepy fans or whatever have you had any experiences it was me okay as a as a cosplayer maybe inappropriate touching or or um that kind of stuff 100 percent yes and yeah. how do you how do you deal with those kind of things uh so early on um before I really had more confidence in myself, I sort of would just keep quiet about it. I hate to say that, like, uh, like when things would happen when I was in an uncomfortable situation. There was a situation where uh, at my first Dragon Con, actually, I was alone in an elevator with another cosplayer who I knew who uh, did 
touched me inappropriately without permission, without warning of any kind. And I was just so completely in shock about it. I didn't know what to say or do. And this was a a rather large, muscular man. And I didn't feel comfortable trying to, I don't know, push him off or something. And uh, so that was a very uncomfortable experience, especially because right after that, we both went to the same location and were around a bunch of mutual friends. And I didn't really feel comfortable, you know, speaking up about it or... You know, I didn't know what to do. You know, it was just extremely awkward. Um, since that time, it's it's happened a couple a couple of other times, but I've kind of gained the confidence in knowing how to deal with it and to just be very uh, be very upfront about it and to address it directly and just to tell people that's not okay. Stop. Like there was a time when I was at a con um, by myself in Atlanta, and I had just left a photo shoot with a friend of mine and was walking to a different uh, photo shoot with a different friend. So I was walking through the con by myself and uh, it was actually right outside the con. So there were some guys at a bar who were clearly not con goers themselves. Sure. They, they saw me in costume, decided to ask for a picture and I said, sure, fine. Of course. Um, and then they came over and one of them just like completely grabbed my ass, just like full hand on my ass, squeezing like, Wow. What the fuck are you doing? And so, yeah, I was just like, no, not there. And I just literally just walked away. Like we had been lined up for the pictures and I just, I just walked away. I wasn't going to do that. Like, I wish there had been people around there that I knew or other con people or security staff or something, but there was nobody else around. So that was all I could really do was walk away, you know? Wow. I think that's where these signs started from. The, the yeah. signs that say cosplay is not consent, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. started seeing it, them more and more often. Uh, it honestly cons. happens. It happens way too often. And it's usually with people who aren't actually like regular con goers. Most regular con goers, I think, know better. Not all, but most. Um, but people who it's either like their first time or they don't actually attend the con at all. They're just people from the public who happen to be there. You know, they just happen upon the con or they're just in the same, you know, same place, same time. Um, that I think it happens a little bit more often with those people because they don't, they just don't know the social etiquette around it. And those are the same people who will just be taking pictures of you without saying anything and being super weird and up in your space. Um I think that's the but, social etiquette of life, though. <laughs> Don't go up and grab some girl's ass. Right, yeah. That's something know. everybody yeah. should know. That's right. well, absolutely something everyone should know. Yeah. It's it's probably a fair amount of, like, this, like, sense of opportunism because they, I mean, especially if they're not actually fans, but they're, like, you know, kind of, like, as you said, just part of the public and maybe, like... I know, like, nerd culture is way more accepted now than it was in the past. But there's yeah. still a, a segment of people who, who still see it as these <clears throat> awkward social nerds. And a lot of, I mean, there's a certain segment of guys who probably sees that, see that as an opportunity to say, hey, these, these girls are nerds, but they're kind of hot, so I can, I can get away with this. Right. And... Like they're not gonna they're not gonna speak up or um, um, or fight back. Yeah. Jesse, have you had a, a, a person grab your butt as as bloodshot? 
Uh, <laughs> or something along those lines. I don't wishes. know if it can happen the other way around. I'm sure somebody's reached for your tits at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I think so. Um, I think once or twice. I don't I mean everything's kind of a blur because I've did so many so so back to back of because of conventions being shut down. I've kind of just forgotten a lot <laughs> right now. The before yeah. times. Jesse, have you ever have you ever dressed as anyone besides Bloodshot? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. It's every time I've seen pictures of you, you've been Bloodshot. That's, that's just that's just the one that I do the most. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, I did. What else have I done? Did um, uh, the Punisher, uh, which is probably not going to happen again anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, various reasons. Various um, reasons. In, yeah. In the political climate, perhaps. Yeah, they actually yeah. canceled a, a book that was supposed to come out. There was there were four issues out of five issues done. They canceled it because they were like, yeah, what, I'm, what happened on January sixth? We're not releasing that. So yeah. Wow. Um, I thought a couple of the characters like Rye and Ninjak, like mainly Valiant stuff. Um, okay. Somebody has said like I'd be be good as Drax if I shaved my head again, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as big as I used to be, so I don't know. Well, I'd have to eat like a mountain of red meat to get to that point. <laughs> that would so. take that would that's that would take a lot of prep work too. Like, yeah, especially if you want to do like the intricate pattern designs and not like his old school silver age look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you the go. movie version, general. The movie version is <laughs> way more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Very very good. Well, awesome guys. We we just have so much to to uh, to discuss here on BTV. Uh, of course, we are a uh, pop culture entertainment podcast. Um, we got Brittany Joy for the first half. A little later in the program, we have an actor named James Dumont, who's actually been on not once, not twice, but this will be his third time on Below the Belt show. He's on a new show called City on the Hill. It's on Showtime, and it's also on Amazon Prime, which I didn't realize until I watched uh, the, the first episode of season two today. And he's in this crazy dark comedy with Danny McBride called Righteous Gemstones. Guys, if you're if you're a fan of Eastbound and Down, I implore you guys to watch uh, Righteous Gemstone. It might have slipped under the radar um, because there's been so many shows that have been released. But um, when you say Righteous Gemstone, I think Uncut Gems, which is not the same thing. Right, right. <laughs> but if you want to experience a panic attack in film form, that's the movie. Yeah. So our guest a little later in the program, James Dumont, plays Chad, one of uh, Danny McBride's character Jesse's buddies that gets caught up into in a um, incriminating video, let's just say, which we'll, we'll talk about a little later in the program. But um, yeah, Danny McBride plays like the same character in every project. Yeah, it's always, it, it's always funny though. There's not yeah. a lot of range, you know, with with Danny. But I mean, um, he was fine in Alien Covenant, even if the movie wasn't that good. I forgot he was even in there. Wow. Yeah, most people forgot the movie exists. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 a he's a great actor, but yes, I mean the range. Um, yeah, I, you you're right. Even if it's Alien Covenant, it's still a little bit of, of uh, you know a yeah. little bit of Danny McBride in there. You know, I don't he's not, know. He's not a bad writer. He wrote. He was one of the writers on um, mm-hmm. Halloween 2018. Yes, he was one of the writers on that. So, which yeah. I like that movie. Even though it's got some problems, I like. Yeah, and he's one of the writers on uh, the Righteous Gemstones, but it's kind of like Vaughn. He's the same character in every movie too, but it's always funny. Always funny. Always funny, guys. So James Dumont, he was a joy on BTB last time. We're happy to have him back. So, um, 
Well, you know, um, since Jesse, you're the big movie guy with the Film Rescue Podcast, last stuff going on uh, in the world of movies. So let's start about let's start with the Oscars because that's the big uh, didn't watch sports show for um didn't watch <laughs> for movies. I don't think a lot of people watch because I think the the ratings dipped the lowest like, ratings they've ever had. From, 23 million yeah. last year to 10 million this Down year. To 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's everybody's course, realizing that the movies that get nominated, they're not the ones that people typically like to watch. That's true. And that's, that's always been that's, the case. That's, yeah. that's always yeah. been the case. Though. Yeah. Right. It's only, it's only been relatively recently that more like blockbuster type movies have even made it into the nominations. Yeah. Well, one that very recently, guys, is Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, that's. That's one that um, that very recently was uh, nominated or had Joaquin um, Phoenix actually win best best yeah. uh, mm-hmm. actor. So, you know, um, I mean, I deserves. I, I would love to see more of that in the yeah. Oscars and, and <clears throat> have the genre films get more recognized by the Academy. <clears throat> but, but you know, it was a little different because of the COVID COVID era. You know, um, it actually took place at the Los Angeles Union Station. Instead of the Dolby Theater, they kind of what? dressed up. Yeah, they had it at a train station. Can you believe it? Really? They dressed wow. up the stage as, as an awards venue. Uh, they made it look really cool and classy, but the audience really pretty much consisted of the nominees and their guests. That's it. So mm-hmm. no additional people were there. But didn't they um, pass it all up by moving all the homeless out of the area? <laughs> I think they had to have done yeah. that. Yeah, there was yeah, quite a few that. Down People down don't there. realize that Hollywood is actually like three square blocks and the rest <laughs> of it is just slumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People yeah. don't realize that. Right. A lot, so, of, a lot, of, it, a lot of it in downtown LA, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's Regina King. People who travel there for the first time and they, they think it's going to be like golden streets and everything like that nope. you see on movies. <laughs> nope. Right. Very, very, very true, Chachi. Just like any major city, though, right? Um, for the it's most more, part. It's more there, yeah. I think. I mean, more, the, more so there. If you're homeless, you want to be homeless in Hollywood. I mean, it's, That's it's true. nice there. It's like nice weather. You don't want to be homeless like in Chicago. <laughs> right. You have your choice. Yeah. That's a very, very good <laughs> point. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we're going to keep them out there for you know their dreams, and they fail like, miserably, and they end up homeless. <laughs> they do. And people are like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and be a big-time actor. I mean, John Claude Van Damme, that's what he did. He was homeless for a while. He was living in some guy's garage. Really? Wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, yeah. Well, just a little quick recap. So uh, Regina King opened up the Oscars. And actually, of course, they got to go a little politi- political for the opening uh, monologue, so to speak. And she said, it was quite a year. We're still smack dab in the middle of it. And if things had... Um, come differently this past week in Minneapolis, I may have traded in my heels for marching boots. Mm. Um, So she's alluding to the Derek uh, Chauvin verdict. Um, But some history was made uh, at the Oscars. We have the oldest actor ever um, to win an Oscar, and that's Anthony Hopkins for the movie The Father. A lot of people were kind of upset that Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther himself, um, Agreed. Didn't win uh, for yeah. his uh, acting in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, but, you know, the Academy, I guess, you know, maybe thought overall the performance of Anthony Hopkins couldn't be overlooked. And people are saying that this is like his finest work, basically. But Chadwick Boseman can't make anything anymore. Yes. 
So this would have been his last time to receive an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, but it you know? could very well be last time for Anthony Hopkins too, mm. as old as he is. Yeah. He was great in that in that role, and like I mean, if he does it again, he might be doing that role for real. Yeah, and it's technically not Chadwick Boseman's final performance. I think the last thing he did was he recorded voiceover for the um, the What If series for Disney Plus. Oh, very nice. Yeah, he recorded his lines for for What If. That's his okay. last thing. That's cool. But definitely his last chance to win an Oscar. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the What If series that that should be pretty cool. Check out. And it's interesting because the winner of the supporting actress was a, a character that also had to deal with dementia, similar similar to Anthony Hopkins, and that's. Yu Jung Yoon, um, who played the um, the mother in Minari, um, which stars Steven Yoon from The Walking Dead. Um, fantastic, fantastic actress. And, of course, the first Korean actor to win that award. And, of course, you know, I kind of wanted Steven Yoon to win, you know. I'm a Walking Dead mm. fan, of course, but at the same time, he is the yeah, Are you still toughing it out for that show? Are you still watching <laughs> I am still... Yeah. Yeah. Toughing it up because we are going into the final season eleven. You have to now. I mean, you watch all. You have to. I mean, you have to. Last episode was actually really, really good with um Negan. Here's Negan episode. Yeah, we learned about his episodes of the show. I thought. Yeah. I had to drop out at season five, so props to you for making these. Oh, okay. You're probably smart, so that's probably why. (laughs) You made it further than I did. I dropped out in four. I was like, no, I'm done. Oh well. It gets better, guys. I mean, you know, six, seven, eight, uh, and then you, it picks up at nine. I promise you that. Yeah. If you guys some episodes, some episodes are boring as shit. Last season, some are just them walking like some in the, the woods. Daryl and Carol ones, yeah. Oh yeah, they're just yeah. Um, uh, let's see more, more uh, history. Um, uh, Chloe Zhao uh, made history as the second woman and the first woman of color to win an Oscar for directing. So. Um, yeah, a lot of history made. Uh, you know, people of color being um, well, being nominated, the woman is in She's the second in history uh, for winning the Best Director Award, Chachi. The the, yeah, the previous history, winner, though. it is actually history for, for winning. Yes, Catherine Bigelow from The Hurt Locker was the previous um, winner. There have been many women directors nominated, but Chloe Zhao is only the second woman to win an Oscar for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Daniel Kaluuya won for Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, um, well, big up- upset was uh, Frances McDormand, um, winning for actress in the leading role for Nomadland because a lot of people didn't think that that film was very um was very strong. I mean, uh, it's, I didn't it's get to fine. see it. You, 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 is that how you would rate it? It's just fine. fine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's nothing. It's not. You're, it's one of those movies that you're like, oh, that was a good movie, and then by a week later, you've forgotten it. It's one of those. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's well, one of those. You, well, do you feel that Frances McDormand uh, is worthy of winning uh, Best Actress based on the performance in that film? No. No, okay. <laughs> so you think it's you think it's kind of the equivalent of like when Crash won Best Picture? And, yes. And I remembered how yeah. much I like that, like how much I went out of the theater saying, "Wow, that was a great movie." And now I don't remember a single thing about that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> that works. <laughs> uh, 
One thing I'm really excited about is that Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails is now an Oscar winner. Can you believe that, guys? That makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. That's the original score. Oh, he uh, didn't win it. I thought he won it for the Social Network, also, didn't he? Um, I'm, we'll have to fact check I that one. I thought he won before. Not, yeah, I thought he won not, before. Did he actually already win that? Well, then there you go. He's a two-time Oscar winner. Uh, this is for uh, the the movie Soul on Disney Plus. Um, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. Um, Trent Reznor I, wrote that? I had no idea. Yes, can he wrote, you believe he wrote that? The, uh, yeah, he wrote the uh, the score. He didn't do the jazz. Yeah. The yeah. jazz was someone else. Yeah, yeah the score okay. was Trent, and the jazz was another artist. But um, crazy how the, the artist that once sang, I want to fuck you like an animal, is an <laughs> Oscar winner. For um, a Disney movie. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who... Don't it tell wasn't it, that. Wasn't it Gene Simmons that wrote the score for the uh, the TV show Seventh Heaven? <laughs> really? <laughs> he wrote the opening theme, I think, for Gene Seventh Simmons Heaven. Kiss? Oh my God. Yeah, you're I think right. So. He, won, he, won, uh, he won the Oscar in 2011 for the, the Social Network. Oh. Well, yeah. Have you ever Have you ever seen the movie Permanent Midnight? It's this um, Ben Stiller movie from like either the late 90s or early 2000s. Well, basically, it's a it's a story about this uh, this screen this uh, this writer's like descent into heroin addiction, and I remember a big point about it because it was based on a true story. A big point about it is this guy who turns into this like insane junkie. He was a writer on Alf, and a lot of about that. that is awesome. <laughs> you got to be high to write Alf, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Han Solo at the Oscar stage, guys. Harrison Ford um, presented the award for uh, Best Film Editing, and uh, he basically talked about Blade Runner, um, talked about opening too choppy, why is this voiceover track so horrible, um, as he started <laughs> uh, talking about his film, uh, which I thought was a, a pretty great uh, zinger. It makes me uh, happy that he's very candid about that. Right, right. Yeah. You saw him talk about that? And he said, this movie gets worse every screening. <laughs> <laughs> and Harrison uh, Ford never won an Oscar. He was nominated, but he's yeah. never won. Nominated never back won. in 86 for Witness, but never yeah. won an Oscar, never which won. is amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big actors who never won an Oscar. Yeah. Like, people always get upset like if certain people don't win, and they're like, there's a lot of great actors who never even won an Oscar. Yeah, this is very true. But the sound of metal. That, I don't think that Leonardo was... DiCaprio has ever won, has he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The Revenant. The Revenant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> recent years. Um, and then supporting uh, actor for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Has Tom Cruise ever won? I don't think he's won. What would he have won? Um, has he? I don't know. I don't think Tom Cruise has won an Oscar, actually. No, I don't think he's even been nominated. Yeah. Maybe. I don't Tom think so. Oh, here's a... Here's a fun list. Robert Downey Jr.'s never won one. Others, Fines, Liam Neeson, Ian McKellen's never won one. That's, actually That's bullshit hard. right there. Yeah. Ian McKellen? Wow. nominated three times um, and never won. And I could have. Wow. Once for Jerry McGuire, Best Actor. Once for Born the Fourth of July, Best Actor. And once Best Supporting Actor for Magnolia. Mm. That's right. Mm. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's just doing Mission Impossible movies now, so he's found, he's found his wheelhouse. He's like, fuck it, I'm never going to win an Oscar, I'm going to do Mission Impossible until I die. Yeah, he isn't good. Now, okay, so um, Anthony Hopkins already had won the Oscar for Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Okay, yeah, right. So 
maybe that's why a lot of people were like, why, why not Chadwick? But you know, it's got, I mean, although he sadly had passed away, Chadwick, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. This is his best performance. And he wasn't even at the Oscars. He did a video message um, from Wales. Oh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Chadwick. This is from beyond the grave. He was there in spirit though. Spirit, right. Yes, literally. And, um, yeah, he said he didn't think he would win. He basically did not expect it. And, he, of course, he wanted to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who was taken for us far too early. So that was very, um, you yeah. Know, and people were bitching awesome. that he didn't show up to the Oscars. Like, he's like, what, what's he, 86? Yeah. Like, yeah. And no, during a pandemic? 80, well, I think he's 83. 83, 83 years old. Yeah. My mistake. He's so old. yes, he's old. Yes. Yeah, I mean yes, of course. Um, but um, but Chadwick's um, family was really—I thought they were really, um, you know, um, respectful about it when they questioned them. Yeah. And they they were saying how like they were happy for Anthony Hopkins and everything. Yeah. I that was really classy. Yeah. That was, and of course, let's not forget Chadwick did win the Golden Globe for right. Best Act. So, I mean, that, that's something to keep in mind as well. And at, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's like we love movies or whatever, but we're all broke. We're broke. And these are multimillionaires who are, <laughs> yeah. who are over a made up award that is given by other people. You okay, know, that's there's, fair. Like, no, there's, it's not like a it's not like a race where, you, you know, this person definitely won is all subjective. Um, so keep that in mind. Okay. You're still broke. No matter who wins, you're still broke. We will definitely <laughs> keep that in mind for sure. <laughs> Um, best animated film, Soul, of course. Uh, no surprise there. I didn't think they had much competition to begin with, quite frankly. So, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was overall, a, you know, a good show. Um, I enjoyed uh, the Oscars, even though the ratings were abysmal. Uh, but um, you know, they did what they could. You know, we, we saw the return of the red carpet, which was great. Um, Do you because... think the pandemic really hurt them too with the ratings because? Um... You know, I guess most people have their favorite movies and they'll go into watch the Oscars to see if their favorite movie wins. And this year, you know, a lot of people didn't go to the theaters. So if they watched anything, it would have been on like, you know, Netflix or some kind of platform. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, with that kind of stuff, I think it's actually easier now because these uh, these nominated movies are on Netflix. Yeah. Like a lot easier to justify, you know, Did seeing a movie that maybe <clears throat> isn't associated with like. That may not exactly be a crowd pleaser, mm. but like something mm. that you feel like you should see, like a mm. like a, a nominated movie. It's easier to mm. do that when it's at home than having to go to the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Netflix uh, was the big winner at the Oscars. Yeah. Didn't they get like Sorry. seven or eight wins or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. I love how I love how like five or six years ago they were all complaining like we shouldn't be nominating films that go right to streaming. That's not, no, that's that's against <laughs> our ethics of film history. Right. And now it's like that's that's what they do. It's yep. like guys, this is the way it's done. Seven well, Oscars. Been, there hasn't Netflix been an Amazon seven. Prime movie that's been nominated yet. I don't think. Really? Well, um, well, we had the um, Borat. Subsequent. Oh movie. yeah, Bora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the long title, which was fantastic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I loved. I loved the second Bora. It just makes me happy it. seeing that sequence that takes place in the Gaylord Hotel. <laughs> just, yeah. Because uh, you know, Brittany and I, we we, we go yeah. to Katsu, and that's where they hold the KatsuCon at the Gaylord Hotel. Yes. So it's like it's like oh yeah, I know that place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Best Picture, uh, Nomadland as well, Jesse. I mean, this is a oh. movie that you said was only fine 
it it yeah. pretty much upset the rest of the films. A lot of people thought that maybe Trials of Chicago Seven would win, um, or even Minari. But um, yeah, I mean, surprising Nomadland picks up the big win. So I mean, my favorite movie last year was one that wasn't even recognized. So it was a uh, Possessor. It was a uh, Brandon Cronenberg. Yes, film. yes, I saw that yeah. on Sunday. It's uh, it's difficult to watch. <laughs> it's very very dark. Um, it's dark, and it has some really graphic nudity. Uh, graphic nudity and graphic violence. Violence, yes, that's something we. <clears throat> yeah. I think Chachi alluded to. We're we're kind of missing um, graphic nudity in mainstream movies. Yeah. So you kind of have to go to like, like the the steamy section on Netflix to see those. Like, we, uh... we were talking about this on <laughs> on um the shows that I work on. Um, we do yes. we do a we do a Patreon only show called So What Else, where we just talk about things that we're interested in talking about. We somehow stumbled onto the Oscars. So we, we were recording during the Oscars and somebody chimed in our Discord and said, hey, you guys watching the Oscars? And we said, nope, moving on. Um, and so <laughs> we somehow stumbled onto why are there not more NC-17 films being made? Especially right. now in the age of streaming. Yeah. when like NC-17 doesn't necessarily have to mean like sex or nudity, just like adult content. Like right. there's a film that... Um, Steve McQueen made back in 2011 called Shame, starring Michael Fassbender. It's a really good movie, and it's very difficult to watch <laughs> because it's about a guy that has um, a bad addiction to pornography and a bad addiction to uh, prostitutes, and it basically destroys his life. Oh, wow, you you're just... talking about Koki, our, our buddy Koki. <laughs> oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> you just described Koki, that's wild. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a rough watch, but um, it's an NC-17 film because of the content. It's like, yeah. it's, it's just, it's a part of it, but it's an adult, or des- it's designed for adults only to watch it. Has it's anyone not, seen Nymphomaniac? No. Yes, I have. Too. Yeah, By that's Lars another difficult Montreux. one. Yeah, movie. very difficult one. Um, they pretty much had actual sex. Um, they mm-hmm. hired porn actors to simulate the real actors for some sex scenes, and of course, oh, yeah. over prosthetics, which yeah, crazy. they um, they did that for um <clears throat> for Lars von Trier's previous film, uh, Antichrist. Have you guys seen Antichrist? I haven't seen Antichrist. No, it's it's not a horror movie, but it's horrifying. the The opening scene is uh, Willem Dafoe and um. Charlotte Gainsbourg, I think is her name. Um, They're having sex in the shower and you see like full penetration. But the problem was that when they were going to film the scene, they said that Willem was too big. They were like, what? (laughs) They said, my God. Yeah. Lars was just like, Lars was, Lars (laughs) he was just like, yeah, that people aren't going to believe that's real. And so they hired porn actors to show the close-ups of penetration during the scene. Yes. And so yeah. what you're seeing yeah, isn't actually Willem Dafoe. a smaller stand-in. Yes. <laughs> and there was, a, there was a, something that happened uh, to Willem Dafoe on the last like time. the opposite of Boogie Nights, right? <laughs> that yeah. wasn't real. That's not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I'm saying this is the opposite <laughs> of it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Wow, was, that's crazy. Oh, oh, there was a story on... Um, the last temptation of Christ when Willem Dafoe is crucified up on the cross and he was only wearing a loincloth and he fell out of his loincloth and Arne Scorsese looked up and just looked over and just edged over to his cinematographer and said, is that props or animal wrangling? (laughs) (laughs) So somebody had to go up there because he can't move. Somebody had to go up there and like tuck him back in. Oh, wow. 
Don't you hate when that happens? That's probably, that's probably the, the key grip, right? I, I hope. I hope key whoever grip. did that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope whoever did that got hazard pay. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you can barely see a rated R movie anymore, much less NC-17. I mean, look at Coming to America 2. That was on um, streaming on Amazon, and that was Prime. like PD-13. I'm mm-hmm. like, why couldn't they make that rated R? Yeah, the I agree with that. The first one is rated R, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Especially why? being on streaming, make it I rated was, R. Like, why Why do they even need to go through the MPAA anyways? It's going right to streaming. I don't know, so I don't, I, I don't know why they do the MPAA in general. I think maybe they I, were I playing on theaters at first, and then like, the yeah. pandemic, they might have just put it on streaming instead. That could have been it. But, I would be shocked if the MPAA is still even around 10 years from now. Because wow. if so much is going right to streaming, if you're paying for it in your pro- privacy of your own home, why would it need to be rated? Mm. Like, what, you're not seeing it with an audience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than I mean, for like, a general awareness, shows, you're watching with friends or kids. If you have kids or something and you have no idea what this movie is, that's I mean, the sort of information you might want to know. I mean, you could put that up front in the movie. Like, if you're going to watch, like, I don't know, uh, like Mortal Kombat, then you'll know, like, okay, it's going to have action, violence, and swearing and stuff. Yeah. But if I'm watching, like, I don't know, a Serbian film, like, <laughs> something that's horrible like that, yeah. then you probably know that, yeah, I know what's in this. I, I don't need to have an audience around while I'm watching it. Um, I don't know. I think, there are, I think you're... Uh, overestimating people's awareness of movies. I think there are a lot of movies that people have no idea what they're getting into. Oh, yeah. Uh, my buddy, my buddy Seth and Brandon, they went and saw Mortal Kombat in the theater yeah. together. Yeah. And there was some woman that brought her fucking kid. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't always understand. Always one. Always one in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, though. Cause my grandmother and my mom, like, back in the day, went to see um, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> and they thought it would be like a nice, a nice John Travolta dancing movie, you know, like, um, like Saturday Night Fever in Greece or whatever. And I think yeah. like halfway through the movie, like, like my, Saturday mom, Night my grandmother turned to her and was like, what the hell movie are you bringing me to? <laughs> <laughs> All this killing and sex and everything. There's really yeah. not that much really? graphic content in Pulp Fiction, if you really, really? break it down. Think, no, not a violence. Yeah, it's about violence and swearing. It's swearing is the only thing in the movie that's like extreme. Well, there is there is the scene with um there is the scene with um the gimp. I, I know with Zed and um yeah. Oh. I think Jesse, I think you're so desensitized now that you don't realize that it's a lot of graphic shit in that movie. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched off in a car and brains everywhere, and them sopping up the brains with um towels and stuff. I, I mean, I I recently watched um the movie Island of Death, which is considered the most banned film in all of human history. History. It's like it's banned in like 30 countries and shit. Oh it's goodness. it's yeah. It's it's um. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot recommend. Um, Jesse, I know you uh, know about the Razzies, right? Razzies are some of the oh, yeah. worst. <laughs> I love those. So let's, let's a couple of the winners of the it's, worst it's content for my show. So there you go. Yes. Come. Okay. Absolute proof. I have I have no unearthly idea what this film's about, but that one worst picture. The other nominees are 365 Days, Doolittle. What one Fantasy was? Island and music. What what got worse? Oh, uh, absolute proof. I don't even I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't even know either, guys. <laughs> Doolittle is Doolittle is terrible though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we we called that movie for what it was on the show that we do. We considered that it was allegedly um, a tax deduction scam because the movie's technically not done. 
because Robert Downey Jr. got like $50 million off of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And so when you make that much money, the tax man's going to show up pretty soon. So if you, you know, bankroll a big budget film to bomb on purpose and fund it through your production company and you're filing jointly with your wife because, you know, you work with the same production company, you can make it fail at the box office and then claim it as a loss and then get your money back. Okay. Well, there you Allegedly. go. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> Allegedly. They're probably going to have to do that. Um, but yeah, um, Mike Lindell uh, from Absolute uh, Proof was the worst actor. And Kate Hudson for the movie Music, which Ow. was directed by Sia, uh, that one, uh, she won for Worst Actress. Oof. So um, yeah, apparently this music uh, film directed by Sia uh, was pretty bad. In fact, Sia also won for Worst Director. So <laughs> just a couple of... Uh, the I'm trying, to find, yeah. trying to find these things because I want to see how bad they are. <laughs> I am curious. 365 days, one for worst screenplay. And Doolittle, oh, one God. for worst re- remake, ripoff, or sequel. Yeah. So, oh, this is funny. Worst screen combo Rudy Giuliani and his pants zipper <laughs> for Borat. Yeah. yeah. Classic. And he actually also won Worst Supporting Actor, Rudy Giuliani, as himself. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just a couple of fun things. Um, yeah, so, um, wow, the trailer just dropped for the Conjuring film, the third Conjuring film, as far as upcoming movies that I, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, They're fine movies. Yeah, so um, the original cast coming back for that. Um and uh yeah i mean uh, i think the conjuring has really um revitalized the horror um Mm. universe you know um that's such a really great universe with annabelle and um yeah and the nun i mean they've done a great job and all their films are super duper scary guys so um uh if you're looking forward to the escape room 2 um sequel that's gonna be um premiering on july 16th initially it was supposed to be january of 2022 but because you know covid's improving slightly um the box office is beginning to revive after the pandemic um they're they're deciding to actually move uh film releases earlier now um which initially they wanted to um premiere a lot later yeah Yeah. i mean the first one was enjoyable i want to see dune in the theater please move forward yes all right, let's talk about the th- uh, the movie that we all saw over the weekend, guys. Mortal Kombat! Mm-hmm. Whoa, what a really... I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, guys. I mean, um, I'm old school Mortal Kombat. I love the 95 movie. I played the game, the early iterations of the game, not so much the newer iterations, but... Um, you were alive then? I, right? <laughs> um, Cole, you just dated yeah, yourself there, Al. I know, right? <laughs> But Cole Young, an MMA fighter uh, who finds himself in a supernatural fight to save the world, it, it, it focuses on um, a new character, a character that we're not actually yeah. familiar with. So I thought that was kind of refreshing because I was trying to figure out who the heck – this guy was never in the game, you know? Um, well, but, it's, it's now but, content for the games. Yeah. It's, so. it's, it is. And actually, aren't there? There's like there's like well over a hundred Mortal Kombat characters now yeah. from all the games. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. So even though they killed off a bunch of the villains, sorry, spoiler alert. There's going to be a lot more villains that they can bring 
bring out for the sequels. But um, but yeah, Cole is a descendant of Hanzo Hasashi, an ancient warrior. Oh, the swordsman. Yeah, the swordsman, right? Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of like a generational thing with him, and um, and he actually feuded with Sub Zero. I guess Sub Zero is kind of like a an immortal type of character because he was um, kind of featured in ancient um, the ancient warrior um, opening scene with Hanzo Hasashi. They don't, they don't go into the reason as to how it is that Bihan is still alive. Right. <laughs> they don't go and explain that. Okay, um, I was wondering about that. I wish they would, but they don't. <laughs> okay. Um, it's one of the negatives of the movie. I'm kind of like, why is Sub-Zero still alive? Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's two rival ninja clans, you know, and you know, Bihan wins over Hanzo. So, you know, it's it's a nice setup for the movie. I just wish the rest of the movie met that level. Have they? Well, I haven't seen the movie yet. I mean, do they portray Sub Zero as like an antihero, or is he? Oh a, no, he's straight a, villain. He's straight, he's straight villain. villain. Oh in yeah. God, he's he's a badass villain. At yeah. That. Is, is Scorpion the same way? Is Scorpion a villain in this, or is he? No, no, no he's a hero. Oh, he is. Okay. Hero. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they're all like kind of anti-heroes if you yeah. think about it, because they all, they all kind of kill each other, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, uh, and of course, um, the, the twist that later on that you find that the Cole is actually Hanzo's descendant. You, you right. find that out. So it's, you know, the two of them fighting behind together. It's, it makes sense in the, in the context of the story. I just wish that the movie was a little better structured. <laughs> I'm you frankly know. just surprised that they decided to kill off most of the villains. Well, and... because look, I, I was talking with my buddy Brandon Bentley, who is the Mortal Kombat expert. He owns every game. He's He knows the entire lore inside and out. Um, wow. I think he's photographed you once or twice, Brittany. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, with, uh, with her knowing or without her knowing? <laughs> with. with yeah. um, you surprised, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, he and I had the same opinion that it's like a six or a seven out of ten because we all agreed that the first half is way too slow, and the second half is where they finally get the plot rolling. So oh, it, it rolls all right. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely action packed. Uh, yeah. You know, after that, but uh, a yeah, lot of the, a lot of the villains are just there to die. Like Nintara is in the movie just to die. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have any characterization, and the reason you, they got away with the R rating as opposed to NC seventeen is because. When they kill her off, she's not really human. She's like a a harpy. She has wings, so it's she's right. not really a human. So killing her off, it's like in that gruesome way. It's like that's eh, fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like killing zombies. It it doesn't yeah. matter. They're not really people. So um, the character with four arms, Goro. Goro, yeah. yes, yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't expect him to meet his fate in this film. I, no, I, that's that that's kind of a waste in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so that was a big shocker right there. Um, yeah. Kano, the actor that played Kano was fantastic. I thought he was great. He had, yeah, um, he carried the movie. Yeah, he, he did, carried. didn't he? I thought it was one of the brilliant parts of the yeah. movie. Sonya Blade was awesome. Mm. Beautiful actress, the the played Sonya. Um, she was great. Jax was fantastic. All all the actors, you know, they pretty yeah, um, great. did a great job in the film, and I was much be- much better special effects than the '90s version. Oh, of oh, course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, absolutely. I did a, I did appreciate the um the story of Ricky moment with Jack's crushing Ryko's head. The, uh, the, have you seen the story of Ricky? I have not. Okay. So there's this, there's, um, have you watched the daily show? Yeah. <laughs> there was a clip that they would always play. It's a guy like 
taking his hands and like smashing oh, some yeah. guy's head. Oh, You've seen okay, this yeah, clip. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. That's yeah, the yeah, story yeah. of Ricky. I was very happy when they included that in the movie and he just explodes oh, Rico's head. The head smash. Yes. Yeah. The, the story of Ricky is is just a it's just a Mortal Kombat movie. Wow. It is just Mortal Kombat. That's all it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, so where does this where does this fall in the pantheon of video game movies? Like what 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 would you guys? Wow. Best one we have so far. They say that this one and Sonic, the recent Sonic movie, yeah. are the two best films based on video games. What about Detective Pikachu? Where does that fall? Is that <laughs> a video game though? I mean, I mean, it's, I guess it didn't it's not- start as a video game. It didn't yeah, start it a card game. game. It was a card right. game. You're right. Well, did Pokemon, Pokemon started out as a card game, right? Yeah, yeah it was a card or game. Cartoon. Or was it a cartoon before it was a card game? It was cards first. Yeah. Right. The best video game movie is still The Wizard. Oh, <laughs> with Fred Savage. Oh, no. Not that. <laughs> well, I do hope there is a, a sequel for Mortal Kombat. Well, they already have the actors signed on for, like, I think, like four movies. So which which is, actor? Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero is signed Sub-Zero on. Sub-Zero yeah. Taslam signed is signed on. For yeah. four wow. movies? Hmm? So this, well, is, this is only going to be a, like, I mean, this is definitely just the, the first one. That's in why the they, lore of uh, Mortal Kombat, he comes back as a character named Noob Saibot. Yes! Okay, that's so he's revived as like a demon yeah. zombie. That's which was, which was just one of the developers' names backwards. Tobias Boone. Yeah, Tobias Boone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's oh, really? how they came out. Yeah. Ed, Boone, Ed Boone and John Tobias were the, were the creators of the franchise. Oops, that is clever. That is very clever. And of course, we're finally going to see Johnny Cage. Yeah. Who's, um, who didn't really appear. He didn't really appear at all, but he was in poster form. Um, at the end of the film, when Cole said he was going to go out to Hollywood. Yeah, as soon as you heard that, you knew they were going to, like, oh. kind of like yeah. you know, Wonder Man in the MCU. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious who they're, who they're going to cast as Johnny Cage. Um, but. With the, uh, with the Miz um, threw his hat into the ring. You hear about that? Oh, the Miz wants to play Johnny Cage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he wants uh, to play Johnny uh, Cage. You know what? There's not really. For, for the most part, the actors are. No one's like bigger than a C level in this in this film, so I can see the Miz, um, you know, getting getting hired for that yeah. film for Are you sure. He's a C level. He's a C level. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I'm just teasing, buddy. But I will, I will guarantee that the actor that played Kano is going to get a ton of work after this. Yeah. Well, Miz calls himself the A lister, so yeah. I mean, I'm just busting his balls. Unless Miz gets his tickets and he's A list. Yeah. <laughs> You know I'm kidding, Mike. If you're listening, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, of course, it's the number one movie. No surprise there. Mortal Kombat. Um. Yeah, people forget how groundbreaking Mortal Kombat was when it came out. You know, just mm. having a fighting game like that, that, that graphic. You know, and then having like real people, you know, play the um, characters in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demons. Yeah. Demon Slayer, the number two movie, and Godzilla vs. Kong already um, knocked off the top of the pedestal for the top movie. I like that movie. It's dumb, yeah. but I liked it. I, I did catch that. That was fun. That was a fun movie. I, I am actually going to be watching it because I have to watch Kong, Kong Skull Island. And uh, I have to watch it this yeah. week because... You don't have to watch anything before that. Just, just watch, just watch well, it. They're, yeah. all, they're all like... They say they're sequels, but yeah. no. <laughs> it's just like every like the first like we two movies were like real world, but then you get to like Kong Skull Island and it's like absurd and over the top, and then you get to this one, and it's like it's it, it's just Pacific Rim. 
It is yeah. just Pacific Rim. Down okay. to the point where they're fighting in Hong Kong and they level the city. It is just Pacific Rim. <laughs> well, yeah, after, well, after Kong, we also have the Godzilla movie that came out two years ago. And then... Oh, and then, yeah, King of the Monsters. Yeah, King of the Monsters, yeah. And yeah. Then, then I'll go into that. But I got it. So um, you have to watch... If you want to catch it on HBO, HBO Max, it will only be on the streaming platform until Friday. So just oh. FYI, if you want to see it for free... If you're paying for free, HBO Max, that is for free. Yeah. But um, now are the crudes uh, still in the top ten? <laughs> no more crudes, but no, thank God, man. <laughs> where did the uh, where did the movie Nobody fall? Did that Nobody get anything? Actually, um, dropped to number four. Damn, that's really good. I and, really like them. Yeah. And R- Ryan the Last Dragon um was the number five movie. So. That's good too. Those are the top five movies. Yep. So movies in production. Um, we have the Wonder Woman herself. Gal Gadot uh, reteaming with her producers from Wonder Woman, Charles Roven and Richard Suckle for a romance with a sci-fi twist. Interesting. So it's based on a novel, um, but it's called Meet Me in Another Life. Um, don't know much about it, but basically it's about two characters that are kindred spirits that keep meeting in different versions of reality where they could be friends, colleagues, lovers, or enemies. Okay. So they isn't, can that, go, isn't that Cloud Atlas? Does it sound like Cloud Atlas? That's, that's Cloud Atlas. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's Cloud Atlas with Gal. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Imagine going from one life where you're her lover, the next life you're her enemy. Yeah. That's got to yeah. stop. That, that's Cloud Atlas. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will definitely watch. Um, that's a that's that's a trope that's been done in a lot of places too. That was like yeah. a, that was a trope in DC Comics with Hawkman and Hawkwoman. As, and, as everybody knows. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's you know, Kurt Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse Five. There's all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, let's see. Indiana Jones Five has added a new cast member, German actor Thomas Kreshman. Known as Baron Wolfgang von Strucker in Avengers: Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. um, and of course you know Harrison Ford set to return. Um, Indiana Jones Five. Um, I guess this should be the last. They didn't really announce it was the last film, but so is Shia LaBeouf in this one? Is no, it... Shia LaBeouf is not in this one. No. Yeah. I mean, he's seventy-eight now. Let's let's get to filming. God, like, they keep taking yeah. their time. They're like, we're gonna push it back a couple of years. I mean, it's like the main star of the whole movie is. 78. So which will get finished first? Indiana Jones 5 or the last Game of Thrones book? That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, both both George uh, and and I guess Harrison like to take their sweet time. But then again, we've had a pandemic. But that shouldn't, the pandemic should not have slowed down George Martin. That's for yeah. sure. That should have have caused George R.R. Martin to be more focused on finishing that (laughs) Well, isn't he working on like two TV shows and a, a, well, a, we a new book series? Like six, yeah, he's got a couple TV shows, but there's actually six Game of Thrones spinoffs that are in production. Yeah. Oh and there, there's like the Wild Cards TV show coming. No, up. and he's also doing the Wild Cards sci-fi. Yeah. Oh my God, finish your damn work. Got a lot going on, man. So I have a feeling it's. it's I have a feeling it's going to be like a Frank Herbert situation with Dune where he died before he finished the last book and it pissed off all the fans. Yeah. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen because there was that point in time, I think it was like around season three or four of Game of Thrones, and everyone was like, you need to finish the last book now because they're like, he's 
getting on in his years and and he's just kind of like oh fuck you guys like seriously (laughs) i i don't think he's gonna finish it if he was gonna finish it he'd be done by now he's getting up there in age so yeah at least he's in great shape over the way he's in great shape yeah Oh Lord! Um, one of your favorite actors, Jesse Vin Diesel, will we? Oh. will be in an action. <laughs> and I know you're gonna laugh. Uh, you're gonna get a rise out of that action comedy Muscle. It's called Muscle, simply Muscle, at STX okay. Films. Um, but he's log- not Muscle though. He's mostly dough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's why he was rarely without a shirt on in the bloodshot movie right uh, move on <laughs> why you wanted that you wanted that part didn't you jesse i know you did <laughs> um i don't know why they're remaking father of the bride but um the 91 version with uh, steve martin and george bank was a great film but they're doing i guess a, a latin spin on it um with gloria stefan joining the cast alongside andy garcia so a Latino version of I mean, um, Father of the Bride coming up. Um, did they do a third one of those? Was well, the Mark? original was 19... I think only 19, two. 1950 version. Oh, um, so it was already a remake. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's pretty much a simple concept. Yeah. It's, it's, you know. It is. It is. Yeah, I, I guess you know, just a little uh, a different spin on it. Um they're doing uh, a biopic on Wuthering Heights author Emily Bronte. Uh, the, the film's called Emily, simply Emily, which makes sense. Uh, Emma Mackey from Sex Education. Um, great underrated show on Netflix if you want a nice coming-of-age British comedy Literally. drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we lost Brittany. <laughs> yeah, we lost Brit before we could say bye. Hopefully she'll be rejoining um also uh florence Pugh. i oh, love florence Pugh. she'll be in a um adaptation of emma donahue's psychological thriller called the wonder mm. um and it's a novel by uh, irish canadian writer set in the irish midlands in 1859 so mm. of course you're gonna get to see florence hugh and scarlett johansson the upcoming black widow movie we're getting a, the first mcu movie uh in july guys so that's gonna be july still july oh good finally um and speaking of marvel movies a fourth captain america film is in the works so they officially Uh, announced it huh yes falcon and winter soldier showrunner malcolm spellman is writing the script um of course um we should um talk about falcon and winter soldier Episode six, because it has to deal with this fourth Captain America film. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you don't want to know what happens in the finale, shame on you for not watching it yet. But as you know, Sam Wilson is your new Captain America, guys. Wow. Shocker. What? <laughs> an incredible uh, costume. Uh, we saw that coming. There's a ghost here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad you're back, just in time for. We can't see your camera, power. but we can we can't hear we can hear you, but we can't see your camera. Yeah, I uh, I just lost power here, and I'm trying to rejoin through my cell phone, and the video's not working. I'm gonna fix that, but okay. Okay. I'm listening. I'm here. Okay. okay. I'm glad you're back. Power, support. The, wait, the power is out in Texas like it was several months back. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks. Oh, flashbacks uh, to that rough time, yeah, right? Uh, 
there was a big uh, there's a big storm coming through here actually there's a tornado watch tonight um and yeah t- power just went out for a minute but uh yeah no the couple uh, months ago was quite miserable <laughs> well we're glad you can still stick with us via audio for I'll just, first I'll just be the ghost here for <laughs> <a second. laughs> that's okay but Brittany did you did you catch episode six of Falcon and Winter Soldier yes I loved yes. it I love the show yes and of course um you know it was it was a pretty short series i mean it wasn't as long as wandavision we got nine episodes of wandavision and we only got six episodes of falcon and winter soldier well, but it's about the same fair. because wandavision yeah, it, episodes were like what 20 minutes with 10 minutes of credits yeah, yeah. this was six <laughs> episodes with 40 minutes of content yeah, yeah. Oh, or no 50 50 minutes of content so it, it, it's about the same so it, it was enjoyable I, I have to say that i enjoyed wandavision little more maybe a yeah, lot more actually yeah, I, I but i still yeah. enjoyed it nonetheless um i i well, even said that i could have edited it down to like a two and a half hour movie oh yeah yeah it could have been a, well yes. i guess i guess your issues with it were those like slow scenes where they would have those long conversations like the one with um yeah isaiah bradley well i i know i like that stuff okay. i like that it's it's more the um there was actually a whole plot line that was dropped from the show about a plague that was being released in Madripoor. Yeah. They cut that and so they had to go back and film new content, but mm-hmm. they couldn't affect the main storyline. So they had to base, basically, if those, there are certain scenes that feel like filler, it's because they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they, they were just kind of stuck. So if it seems like the show is kind of sluggish, it's because of this. A lot <laughs> happened in that final episode, guys. We saw yeah. Carly, the flag smasher, um die and um Chacha, you brought up an interesting point um prior to tonight's show why was falcon so distraught about her her dying she is she is a villain yeah yeah she so was not kind exactly. of like a, i mean yeah she's trying to kill the whole the whole vehicle she's kind of right she, exactly like minutes earlier but yet falcon has harley in his arms mm-hmm. you know yeah. like meanwhile well, meanwhile sharon carter just got shot and he's right, more concerned right. about <laughs> that's the part i was like really not i don't know guys I, I, and I think part of it is she's still she's still a kid you know and he really tried to connect with her you know like early yeah. on when he tried to go talk to her tried like he really believed that she could still be won over you know and I, yeah i think he just had like an emotional connection with her and just was distraught that this young girl, I think, I mean, I don't know how old she was supposed to be. I think probably either like a older teenager or like very young twenties or something, but still very much a young girl. Like, I think he was just upset that some, that she died so young and you know, that that all of this potential for her was lost. Meanwhile, Sharon Carter is bleeding from a gunshot wound, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, she had a (laughs) potential too. But, um, Yeah, you know, so um, I have to ask General Zod about this. Sharon Carter's character, the power broker, can you Well, he's not, a she's not the power broker in the comics. Okay. The power broker no, it's somebody the else in the comics. Character. And um, it was actually kind of surprising because they, they had her, you know, pretty much become a full-on villain. And yeah. I don't think that's ever happened in the comics. And unless they're... There is this theory because there's going to be a secret invasion show uh, coming out that she's actually a scrawl. Yeah. I've seen oh. that. I've heard that as well. Yeah. And um, 
But otherwise, I mean, it is. And and I guess, like, part of it is just because the MCU is supposed to be based on the comics, like, if it was 100% like the comics, then people who have read the comics, what's the point of them watching the movies? Like, they still have to be surprises. Yeah. And, yeah. That's why everybody hates Iron Man 3. I actually quite like that movie. Yeah. I mean, problems and all, I enjoy it. Maybe the last act is a mess, but overall, I really like oh, the film because... Because of the, because of the Mandarin in there? Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, there, there she go. is. Um, but yeah, the uh, the big the big twist of the Mandarin in Iron Man three isn't actually who you thought it was. Like I like that. Yeah, and it, it's, and it's actually cool yeah. because they they came back to that with Shang Chi when yeah. that comes out next year or right. this, later this year. Yeah, Shang Chi, um, yes. But that's like, but that was a legit surprise, and also like the Julia Louis Dreyfus's character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great. You you have to know about her backstory. Well, yeah, she was. She wasn't a villain. She's totally seems like she's going to be a villain, and okay. like she's she she kind of seems like the uh, the um, kind of opposite Nick Fury, where she's putting together this like the Dark Avengers, and like um, her character is Madame Hydra. Well, her character in the comics, uh, she was uh, like Nick Fury's girlfriend. Are you talking about really Sharon Carter or Julia Louis Dreyfus? Which one are you talking about? Julia Louis Dreyfus, the what's it, Valentina Contessa Allegra? Contessa, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, it depends which Nick Fury you're talking about. You're talking about original I'm Nick Fury, about the white Nick Fury. Yeah, the the one that's uh, now out of the comics, the one that's yeah. all gone. Well, why not? Why not have you know Sam Jackson and, and Julia Louis Dreyfus hook up in the next you know film or or a show? You know, they're roughly the same age. So I think it will work pretty well. You know, um, but um, of course, let's talk about um, the uh, the former Captain America now, uh, U.S. agent. Yes, U.S. agent. U.S. Yes. agent. I know General Zai knows about U.S. agent as the comic book uh, fictionado. General, what do you know about U.S. agent and and um, US where agent. Uh, U.S. agent is actually a character. I you know he you're supposed to hate him. I mean he's supposed to be an asshole, which, and that's. Which kind of what Wyatt Russell was able to do as yeah, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but one of the things that I find so interesting about him is that there aren't too many characters in like Marvel and DC. I mean, they do this a lot more in like other, you know, smaller comic universes. But there there aren't too many characters that are simultaneously heroic but horribly abrasive and irritating. And like uh, he does that, and there was like there's a character in DC Comics called Guy Gardner that kind yes, of yes, oh yeah, thing. he was kind of like the Kano of the Green Lanterns, right? Yeah, 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 he was and great. And it's really and it's really interesting that uh, to have characters like that, and he's also supposed to be kind of like there's a there's a current U.S. Agent comic book right now. Ah, and okay. It's basically taught. I mean, the story is basically about. Like, he kind of, you know, in kind of a way, he's like the Captain America for Trump country. Yeah, he's, he's uber right Captain yeah. America. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. You're supposed to hate him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if Captain America, the original Steve Rogers, is meant to be the, you know, kind of like optimistic pre-World War II mentality, then the U.S. agent is the post-World War II uber-right paranoia mentality. Right, right. Yeah. So. And the like, Red Scare. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Red Scare. You know, terrified of communism and socialism. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's 
that's who he is. But okay. but the whole point of why it's interesting is also because it's nuanced because he's still a hero. Like he still wants to do like like they even showed it in the show. Like right. He, he he tried to save that um that truck full uh, that burning truck from falling uh falling off the building, and you know it's it's good to have that kind of ambiguity I think where it's like a so he's, yeah I mean he's like an antihero yeah pretty much kind I mean like kind of like kind of like Homelander maybe yeah it's Homelander a good what comparison. Not. Uh, Homelander. No, there, there is that meme that's going around showing comparing Homelander to a U.S. agent, right? Um, where it's like Homelander's hand on U.S. agent. So I don't know if that's a direct one-to-one. I think yeah. Homelander is a little more. He's a little more psychopath. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he drinks. He drinks breast milk. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. The guy. Homelander's got serious problems. Um, but uh, U.S. agent, I think overall has his shit together. He's just. Yeah. He's just an asshole. But being yeah. an asshole is not a crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. So what? So that that I mean, this is the concludes um the um the series. But if you notice at the end, they switch the logo to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So yeah. are they going into a second series of this show? But they're already alluding to a, the fourth film. Will the so. fourth film be? You know, um, the film focusing on all these characters. Which way do you think it will go for the fourth oh, film? Oh, it's going to be the fourth the film. film. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think there's going to be another. <clears throat> there, There isn't going to be a Captain America Winter Soldier series. I think it's just going to be. But this strict. is a one and done. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 my guess. And it one of the things that's interesting is, like, the MCU is going to, uh, with, uh, with um, Sam Wilson being Captain America, and... Um, you know, it, when Thor Love and Thunder, Love and Thunder, yeah. Lo, when Thor Love and Thunder comes out, they're going to have the Jane Foster Thor. And um, they're actually going to be adopting for probably forever now. They're going to be adopting the status quo that was like for this short period in Marvel Comics, like in the um, early 2010s. Yeah. Where, where they uh, where they did that, and Wolverine was dead and was replaced by Laura Kinney, and um, who else was it? Um, Doctor Octopus was actually Spider Man. <laughs> not like, that. Not, maybe not that. You know. But it was like, uh, but like, it looks like, especially in you know, from from a practical effect, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Evans isn't coming back. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, and uh, Riri Williams becomes Iron Man or yeah. Iron. Art. Ironheart, yeah. right? Uh, but Which like, they do have a Disney Plus series coming out for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Captain, yeah. Captain Marvel gets replaced by Ms. Marvel, which is also on the way. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, this is the upcoming Marvel Disney Plus um, calendar for 2021. We have Loki on June 11th, um, which <laughs> which is going to be really exciting. Black Widow July 9th. Oh, theaters and Disney Plus. Uh, we cannot wait for that. My God, that was the first casualty of the pandemic. Was was black? Oh yeah, black mm-hmm. widows. So happy to f- finally see that. I still love seeing the memes of people being like, "Oh, the Black Widow drops in theaters in July." Nah, Black Widow dropped two years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally gonna see that. Mid twenty twenty one, we will see what if this is the animated series for one off stories. Like, what if Peggy Carter took the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? What if uh, Yandu picked up T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. 
um, which would make T'Challa. Um, Isn't what if like oh. um, DC's whole like game plan? Um, just, it was. <laughs> there's like, okay, what if we do this this time? What if we have um, a new Batman? And what if we um, <laughs> right, right, have right. three Jokers? No, they, the uh, they said that process. they said that the uh, the patents in Batman takes place on Earth two. So yeah, they're Snyderverse is dead. Throwing it all out, starting over with the no, new Batman. Snyder, Snyderverse uh, exists. Well, are they, are they changing, aren't they going to be <laughs> having? That's where I'm going. <laughs> but they're still uh, going to have Ezra Miller as the Flash and Flashpoint. Yeah, but that's yes. but they can just like rewrite everything and just say like, nope, didn't happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm and really curious, guys. Yeah. Of course, we have Shang Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings, Miss Marvel, which you allude to late 2021. Eternals finally November fifth. Um, really looking forward to, to that one. And late twenty twenty one Hawkeye. Yeah. I know General Zod. Can I broach a conspiracy theory for a moment? Yeah. Go ahead. Do you think the reason that uh, Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland was because they wanted to have the prestige atop the poster for the Eternals because she's the director on that? <laughs> If you think Marvel is uh, you think Marvel? the I mean, Academy, not Marvel, corrupt? Disney. Disney. Is Disney. Okay, Disney. Tears on the I have no proof which they have money to to throw to the Academy. I don't know. They've been they've been bleeding a lot of money this last year with their yeah. parks closed oh, yeah. and with no movies in the theaters. Disney's huh? been hurting for money the last year. I mean, they are not Disney's Disney. not hurting at all. Disney doesn't. Last think. year, yeah. you look at all the money they lost on Mulan. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. Nuts. I mean, granted, the movie wasn't good, so you know. It was Disney, okay. Disney it was fine. Like, 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 like three billion on um on um Marvel and then like what four billion on DC? I mean on um how on, many, on Star Wars. How many billions did they lose from Disneyland being closed the whole last year? Oh yeah. A this, lot. Yeah. A yeah. lot. I think they did everybody <laughs> off too. Oh They're yeah. Still, Lay the yeah. before so. the holidays too. That's yeah. that's yeah. stay classy, guys. I know, right? Uh, Hawkeye, late twenty twenty one, guys. Jeremy Renner uh, returns as Clint Barton, and he, Haley Steinfeld. So, well, so underserved in the yeah. in the MCU. He's I the really, Arrow guy. Like, what do you do? Hawkeye is <laughs> an amazing character. He was my all time favorite Avenger from the really. Film. Yes, he is. Hey, I, and he's got a series now, General. He just shot a bow and arrow. That's all he did. Yeah, he was. But like, he was damn uh, good at that bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was such an incredibly likable character in the comics, and they took his his personality from the comics and put it on Iron Man yeah. in the movies. And if you like, want to, if you want to see how underserved he was in the entire MCU. Compare him to the other Arrow guy over on the yeah. CW network. They got eight <laughs> seasons of a TV right, show. Right, right. Compare, yeah. Just compare these two and just see the contrast. So was Iron Man not the same way in the comics? Well, he is now like the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man in the comics. But before that, he was like super stuffy and serious. Oh, really? And like um, and Hawkeye's the like Hawkeye's personality is in the comics. It's actually still is. But they like he was pretty much like robert downey jr yeah and interesting and like um yeah i mean he became kind of a punchline because yeah it's it's a little weird that a guy with a bow and arrow is like you know going into battle with like the hulk and with uh, cosmic <laughs> beings right yeah and, and cosmic beings but that was actually right. part of the point 
was I mean, that they, they outright part. pointed out in Age of Ultron, the city's flying, we're stuck on we're stuck on the city, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Think about it. Think yeah. about it. But that I was, don't get it, guys. That was kind of point Cupid had wings. Fearless, like in, in <laughs> this Cupid had wings. Like exactly. And, uh, Spider Spider Man No Way Home, the last Marvel uh, project for 2021, coming out Christmas. December 2021, guys. Isn't uh, that gonna... supposed to cross over with Doctor Strange too? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because like they're both of those deal with the same thing. They're almost yeah. calling it like a trilogy with uh, WandaVision to Spider-Man to uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, we mentioned on earlier shows that uh, a lot of the OGs from the Spider-Man franchise in earlier films are slated to return. Of course, rumored as Andrew Garfield, but we already have confirmed Jamie Foxx mm. and J.K. Simmons. Um, Did they confirm Toby Maguire? They haven't confirmed Toby Maguire no, and Andrew Garfield yet. Okay. How about but, Willem Dafoe? Like, there was a rumor about that, too. No, but they got Alfred Molina. I just want to see the giant D hanging out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that you told me that story, I didn't know that about Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I wants to confirm. Giant D. We know what that means. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, on Disney Plus, uh, Ironheart series will star Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams. So this is the genius inventor uh, will take over the Iron Man uh, um, um, suit. So uh, and uh, Chinaka Hodge will serve as head writer for this. So. Look out for that one. Also, uh, anybody being named Riri as a super genius. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's Rihanna's nickname, isn't it? Riri. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I I, uh, I think I think that the the movies are going to be just the status quo. They'll be fine. They'll just be they'll be more of the same same structure and same stuff. But the TV show is where the interesting stuff's going to go. Yeah. Like like you couldn't have a scene of like two black men in their living room talking about racism in America in a Captain America movie, but they did it in a TV show. That's true. More yeah. character development, um, yeah. which we got to see. And I think that's good. It's a good starting point to, to develop these characters on the series. Then when they, they appear in the movie, Captain America 4, yeah. you already have that fan base. So I think they're doing yeah. a good job. You can still have those you get a lot ass- more time, too. Yeah. You get a lot more time to develop them. Mm-hmm. You still have those big-ass Baltimore scenes, too. Oh yeah, yeah. they should have shot Baltimore. Like, like where the hell is this part of Baltimore at? I want to know. It's too hilly. It's too hilly. Yeah. Atlanta. That was Atlanta. Right. I used to live in Atlanta, and I yeah. literally recognized, recognized buildings that? in the background, really? like of that's the scene. Yeah, I was like, oh. that's right around the corner from yeah, where I went to work, and I got that. Indian food from there. <laughs> these hilly, um, these wooded houses on, on on hills in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, guys. Cost too much to shoot in Baltimore, unfortunately. I wish that yeah. would change, guys. But um, let's see. The Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special will be uh, hitting Disney Plus. <laughs> did you see um, the tweet from Mark sure. Hamill about that? No, just, I did not. What did <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, uh, these never really end well. And James Gunn <laughs> was like, well, you say that now. <laughs> holiday specials in general, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, we, that, well, the, Star the Star Wars, Wars holiday Star Wars Star Wars. has that. Holiday yeah. special was abysmal. They have it. That stick. <laughs> no, it, no, it's perfect. But it's, it's Guardians great. of the Galaxy. Perfect. Guys. It's yeah. gonna be great. 
Um, let's see. Maya Erskine has joined the cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm really looking forward to this series, guys. Ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. And, of course, you got Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen. And it's funny, Chachi, on our friend's podcast, that was disappointing. You mentioned Aunt Beru. Mm-hmm. We're actually getting young Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen with Joel Edgerton and um, the actress nice. that Bonnie Peace. Bonnie Peace. Who plays oh, yeah. Young, they were, they were young the, of the clones. That's right. Yep. They'll be returning yeah. um, to reprise their roles. And I think that's awesome. I just love how it ties in. So this would be 10 years before A New Hope, or what? Well, it's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Now, timeline-wise, is that 10 years before A New Hope? It would have to be. Well, maybe not. That that would actually Uh, be... 20. 20. I think it's 30 years. Okay, I think you're right. Well, how old is Luke Skywalker? How old is Luke Skywalker in A New Hope? 19 or something like that? Okay, because he was just born at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Ah, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, so uh, right, was about 20 years. 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. So he's yeah. 19. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, expect uh, possibly a, a very young Luke Skywalker. Um, 10 years old, I guess, right? Yeah. 10 yeah. years old. Yeah. Um, They'll find the next Jake Lloyd, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he's a better actor. <laughs> sorry, Jake. <laughs> we weren't that good, kid. I'm sorry. Um, DC Fandom is coming back in October, so all the big uh, DC projects will be uh, discussed, including Black Adam, The Suicide Squad, Flash, and Aquaman 2. So looking forward to all of that. General, I know you watched Doom Patrol on HBO Max. They just added a whole bunch of actors to that cast. Micah Joe Parker, Wynn Everett, Miles Musundin, and Anita Kalathara. I don't know who any of these actors are, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, they're expanding the cast of that show. They're actually going to be playing, I bet you know who these people are, General, the Sisterhood of Data. Oh, yeah. They were the <laughs> He knows the sisterhood of data. Well, how do you know, know that? that? How do you know that? <laughs> Nobody, Mr. Nobody, the character yeah. of the season, he was actually the leader of the Brotherhood of Data in the comic. So I guess, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're obviously going to have to change it from the way they had it in the comics, but it's, uh, unless they bring back, um, crap, why is this, the actor's name? Completely? Alan Tudyk? Alan Tudyk, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, they should hire a general as like a consultant for these movies. Yes. Especially DC, because DC doesn't know what's going they, on with their comics. You should be the Dave Filoni of DCU. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Feige of DC. Yes. I've, always, I've always thought that the DC stuff is better when it's goofy and weird, and that show just embraces the goofy yeah. and weird. Control does that, yes. Yeah. I gotta finish season one. It's a, I mean, the fact that they got Flex Mentallo in there, the, the mm-hmm. muscled man of mystery who flexes the wrong way and gives a whole town an orgasm at the same time, <laughs> the fact that they got away with that... What a weird character. That's a character. That's great. Power. Yeah. Shashi, you yeah. haven't seen Doom Patrol? You really... Uh-huh. It, it is such yeah. a... He flexes it's in different really ways, funny. and that yeah. gives him different abilities. What is that on? It's on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah. Since they got shut down, they moved they everything have, over to HBO they Max. They should have a showdown between the muscular guy that gives a guy gives up uh, people orgasms with the the long elongated dick dude from... Uh, oh, elongated man. 
Oh, from, from, from the, the boys. boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, what's that guy's name? Oh, Love Sausage. Yeah, Love that guy. Sausage. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's also, that would be great. HBO's uh, House of the Dragon has officially begun production, guys. Oh, thank God. 300 years before the events of uh, George R.R. R. Martin's books. Ten episodes. Um, and again, we talked about last week all the big... Um, Spinoffs. We have six spinoffs, including House of the Dragon. I think again they should really focus. Just focus on one spinoff for the next. But yeah. one would think just to get get it right. But no, money train can't stop rolling, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Hux from Star Wars. Dom Hall Gleason will be in a new show on HBO called White House Plumbers. Um, it's from the, uh, the, the creators of Veep. So that's kind of ex- exciting. It's basically a five part series. That's based on Watergate? Yes, that's right. A, a story of how Richard Nixon's own political saboteurs and Watergate mas- masterminds accidentally toppled the presidency. Um, uh, were they hmm. trying yeah, to actually, there's a, there's a lot of like comedy of errors stuff that they can, they can do with that because the Watergate the the Watergate burglars they fucked up so badly in some yeah. like comic ways like yeah like uh one of them like accidentally locked himself in a closet <laughs> <laughs> really? like uh yeah inside the Watergate a... what's that inside the Watergate yeah, yeah. oh wow yeah oh, it was wow. the con- truly they truly were a confederacy of dunces yeah, yeah. wow. And you look like um with G Gordon Liddy, he died what he he died fairly recently. And Last month, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's like there were there were stories about how like intensely insane he was and no, none of the other people wanted to be near him. And there's actually like some really fascinating stuff about Watergate. Okay. We'll have to tune into that show. And the last um HBO thing before we take our break. Uh, Richard Lewis is coming back to Curb Your Enthusiasm, Chachi, yes. for one episode. Yes! Yes! yes. I love that so, show. He's starting to look like death for the last 10 years. Yeah. Honestly, he's recovering like, from three surgeries, so he pretty uh, much, they wrote him off the entire uh, season 11, but then he... Season 11. Larry... Larry David talked him into one episode. Good, good. Um, so he will be showing up for that one. So we're yeah, happy about that. I've never seen him on the screen. I get real uncomfortable with how sick he looks. Yeah. I'm like, you, you, yeah, and he's great. But when you make Larry David look like young and healthy, I mean, that's pretty bad. <laughs> You're right. And, and explain to me how Larry David and Richard Lewis hook up with women half their age. Let me it's, tell you how. Because they're rich. Uh, they're famous. <laughs> that's how they do it. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. Money. Exactly. Larry David in real life is worth something like half a billion dollars. Uh, Now now it makes sense. Yes. (laughs) It was a lot more attractive when they're, you know, like almost a billionaire. I saw saw a video, uh, a story Bob Odenkirk was talking about when he first met uh, Larry David back before they think they were working on um, uh, Seinfeld. They worked a little bit on Seinfeld together. And, um, he said that at a certain point, Larry David was penniless and just out of work, completely out of work. No one would hire him. 
and he was even more surly then than he is now. <laughs> so, wow. so he's already surly like, like he is on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Imagine that times 10. That's how he was when he was out of work uh, after some. Uh, uh, well, guys, we he, just does, he just does like his show whenever he wants to. If he wants to take off five yeah. years. Yeah. Like, he wants the to season breaks. The, season. the yeah. breaks between seasons are like, yeah, we're going to take two years off. Just yeah, whatever. because like, the show's been on for like 20 years, but only had like, like 10 seasons. Yeah, because he just does it at yeah. his own leisure. Because it's, right. it's so cheap to make it. Well, yeah. I hope they bring back Larry's latte. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but anyways, we should take a classic cut break. And uh, we do have to say goodbye to Brittany. Aww. Joy for uh, being awesome on Below the Belt Show. Brittany, uh, where can your fans stalk you? I mean, check you out online. <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram is the best place. At It's Brittany Joy. And I spell Brittany weird. B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y. I don't. My parents did. Blame them. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Again, if you want to see some amazing cosplay, Black Cat, Psylocke, uh, some of my favorite um, you're, characters. You're Electra. Like, I Electra. Just, I just started following you, like, literally during the show. Mm. And you're this, Electra. This, amazing. And the Psylocke. Thank you. The most Thank sexiest you. Psylocke I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, Thank you. Brittany, have you done uh, Jill Valentine from Resident Evil? I have not, no. Because uh, the, the shirt that you're wearing looks like her outfit from Resident <laughs> Evil 3. Yeah, I, I can see that, actually. I can, Electra I can... is on yeah. point. Yeah, I can yeah. see that, too. Electra's on point. Brittany, thanks, thanks so much for joining us on BTB. We'd love to have you uh, back in the future. Absolutely. I'd love to be back. It was fun. Thanks for having us. Thanks Hopefully for having keep us. keep power next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have fun over in Texas. Thanks. Bye. 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 And of course, let's go ahead and have Chachi take us up to a classic cut break. Where my dog's at. It is time for King Chachi's classic cuts. Holla at your boy. Chachi. Chachi. That's right, it's Chachi in Charge once again for Chachi's Classic Cuts, where each and every week I reach into our dusty, dusty archives, pull out a cassette tape, and play it for your listening pleasure. I have a feeling um, I know which one this is. You do, you do. And, and do you have a news bit for this one? Do I have a news bit? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so, Shock G, who blended whimsical wordplay, wordplay and reverence for 70s funk, as was a leader the one they put the on your panties. of Digital Underground has sadly passed away at the age of 57. Um, and uh, he was known for Humpty Dance in 1990. Same song. Uh, a year later served as Tupac's introduction to music fans. And uh, certainly um, was one of the trailblazers in hip hop in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, and he would... He would do the Humpty character on his songs, but then also do the um, Shock Shock G, um, mm. you know, um, per- personality on his songs too in the same song. And um, yeah, I mean, everybody knows the Humpty Dance. Everybody knows it in the world. Like every grandmother knows the Humpty Dance. Yeah. Um, but Digital Underground actually had a lot of other really good songs um, that a lot of people didn't know, and like um, you know, and, and they were they were instrumental in like introducing um, Tupac to the world. You know, when Tupac joined the group and um, and this is one of the songs um, that were f- featured Tupac. This is actually the same song, which was um, 
a song used in the movie Nothing But Trouble, which is um, didn't do well at the box office. It has definitely that become was, like a cult that classic. That was such now. a bad movie, but I remember the scene with Digital Underground mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it, it has it has grown in um, cult status over the years. Okay. Um, but yeah, Digital Underground um, starred in that movie with um, Shock G. And I'm surprised he didn't have a resurgence, you know, uh, playing that character in, in recent years. You know, I, and actually, I was looking a couple of years ago to um, try to find a concert of Digital Underground, but they didn't tour that much. And, um, you know, then with the pandemic, they didn't tour at all. And then right. he passed away. But I, th- I thought he could have really, like, um, played that character for nostalgia a lot more and then did a lot of, of tours with it. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure why he didn't. You know, maybe he wanted to shy away from that character. I don't know. But this is um, same song by Digital Underground. Oh, great song, man. Rest in peace, um, Shock G. And I should add, found unresponsive in a hotel room. So I guess they have to perform the autopsy to find out what killed Shock G. So definitely sad. So we'll be back after the classic cut. All right. Came for the party to get naughty, get my rocks on, eat popcorn, watch you move your body till the pop's on, and I'm singing, ding a ringing, funky beats ringing, everybody swinging in the place as I kick the J's, easy Y style, R&B, mixing it with the hip hop, swing beat, champagne in my hand, it won't be long till I'm gone. It's just the same old song. It's just the freestyle. Meanwhile, we keep the beat kicking. Sweat dripping, girlies in the limo eating chicken. Oops, don't get the grease on your pantyhose. I love your. <clears throat> Same song, yeah. Same song, and you, you know what? Um, um, Shock G actually um, produced um, "I Get Around," the Tupac's first um, big single. Wow, some good trivia there, man. If you didn't man. know, wow, um, fifty-seven years old, found dead in his hotel room, man. Certainly very, very tragic. It's been a bad um, um, couple months for um, rappers. Yeah, oh, God. DMX. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, like, like good rappers, you know, it was like, we've had a few more, man. Um, but they, they escaped me at the moment, but, um, yeah, um, we're going to be welcoming, uh, James Dumont from righteous gemstones and, uh, the upcoming city on a hill, um, here on BTB. So we're excited to have him on. It's here. Um, okay. So some stuff on Netflix. Um, this film looks really great. I don't think, um, Anna Kendrick's ever done sci-fi before, but I, don't, I think it might be her first sci-fi film. Um, but it stars her and Daniel Day Kim. It's called Stowaway. Oh, yeah, Stowaway. I saw trailers along, for that. Okay, yeah. along with Tony Collette. Um, basically, um, it was a, a Mission to Mars adventure film, and apparently there is only enough oxygen to save three of the four astronauts. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to come to a decision who will um be saved and who sadly will have to sacrifice themselves so um i kind of think that's exactly spoiler. how that works well yeah i mean it, <laughs> i mean but, if you're going to send a ship into space you'd send them with for that long of a journey you'd send them with plant life so they can recycle oxygen there you go i solved your problem <laughs> clearly they, clearly they didn't uh they didn't think about that they didn't. They didn't uh, consult with with Jesse Fresco prior to uh, writing the script, but um, I saw also, The Martian. The, we saw The Martian. That was a brilliant yeah. film, man. I, I love The Martian. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be real life, you know. Now that Perseverance has been on Mars, uh, Matt Damon has been on Mars, and Anna Kendrick and Daniel Day Kim and Zoe Kravitz. Matt Damon. 
So, uh, good to have you, Mike the General Zod. Hey there. Yeah. Um, also, we um, have an animated film on Netflix called Vivo with new music from Lin Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. Um, that's uh, another another big uh, animated feature that will be on Netflix. Directed by the Crudes filmmaker Chachi Kirk. <laughs> oh, thank God! Thank God! I know, right? <laughs> the mark of quality. Yes, another upcoming thriller uh, on Netflix is called Lou, uh, with Allison Janney and Journey Smollett. That's a Jussie, Juicy Smollett's sister, um, and it's going to be produced by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. So that's in good hands. Um, and it's a story about a woman whose daughter is kidnapped, so she teams up with a, a mysterious woman next door to pursue the kidnapper. Is that the takes... story that is that the story she made up? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Jesse Smollett likes to make up stories too, yeah. <laughs> Anyone seen Shadow and Bone on Netflix? Apparently that's getting a lot of buzz. My friend Aaron watched it, says it's very good. Okay. Very, cool. And a lot of people have been saying that I've never read the books, but they all say that it improves upon the material. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Netflix is coming out with so much content. So much it's good always, content. It's always interesting to see steampunk. Because uh, steampunk isn't really that well represented in um, in movies, at least. And it's an interesting genre. But I, I don't isn't, think it's enough. Isn't Nevers also kind of steampunk as well? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's like Victorian England. Victorian I guess. England. Okay, yeah. somewhat. So that that's kind of cool. Maybe that's the the age of the of the steampunk, you know, <laughs> uh, type of uh, um, you know shows, you know. So looks really cool. Um, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but certainly good reviews for that one. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi himself, Ewan McGregor, will be in a series called Halston, um, which is about legendary fashion designer Roy Halston Frowick as he builds his fashion empire in the 70s and 80s New York. Um, and we talked about Master of None last week, and now it's starting to make, make sense. Cause I thought the the studio, I guess Netflix, had forgiven um, Aziz Ansari, but it actually will be focusing on Lena Waithe's character and not Aziz Ansari's character. Aziz will still be in the show, but he mm-hmm. will not be the lead for season three. I thought that was interesting. Wasn't uh, he accused of like? sexual assault or something at one point no he was well, accused of like a of trying to bang a woman on a date and when she said no he ended it yeah mm. yeah there, there's a lot of ambiguity in that story where you don't really know like what really happened because right. there's a lot of like weird stuff on both sides well, she said she was like yeah like he bought me red wine but i really like white wine yeah something like that it was really weird like and then, and then, and then he paid for dinner like really quick because he wanted to get me home and have sex with me. Which I guess, I mean, yeah, that's that's called a date, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And she it, was receptive. So that's a thing. I mean, there are some of these Me Too stories have, have been, you know, uh, embellished slightly, and um, you know, let's not yeah. let's not forget about the real victims. That have yeah, been yeah. Victims it was all this, consensual you know? until she said no, and then he stops. Mm-hmm. And, and but then, yet. He's That's no it. longer the lead in his show on Netflix. Well, That's it's still problem. his show. Like he's still the chief writer and the. He's still the writer. Yeah, but I'm I'm curious if that had to do with it. 
You think that situation had to do with the reason why the the show is going to focus on Lena Waithe? Because if you see the trailer, it focuses on Lena Waithe's character. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that that's also a big reason why. When was the last season? Like 20... 2017? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was yeah. a long time ago. That was a long time. That's like, <laughs> we talked about what, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm breaks. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Um, I'm really looking forward to the Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. Chris Pratt's uh, um, sci-fi where they go 30 years into the future to help mankind defeat a deadly alien species. Trailer just dropped. It's a teaser trailer. It's very short, but definitely worth a look. Um, Yeah, I I believe this movie probably would have been released in theaters, but it's going straight to Amazon Prime. Um, Not going to have a theater release. I mean, uh, they just have to kind of bite the bullet. Like everything that was in production, they just have to just get it out there somehow. Yeah. Get some money back. Like the only one I have heard that they're actively postponing at this point is that movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Remember that? Yeah. It was yeah. the Grand the, the the Grand Theft Auto movie. That's the video not, game. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one they postponed because it costs like two hundred million dollars, and they're like, yeah, we can't release this online. We'll make no money. Oh wow. Also, you look at the movie and you're just like, this doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that trailer. I mean, you know, like also Ghostbusters and like Top Gun, the sequels. Yeah, but they finally got their release dates. Free yeah, Guy yeah. is still like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> you wow, know? interesting. Yeah. Um, the Nine Perfect Strangers um, series just dropped their first trailer on Hulu. Chacha has nothing to do with Balky. <laughs> There's no Balky in this one. Yeah, this is Nicole yeah. Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. Um and honestly. I just love the fact because as soon as I heard Melissa McCarthy, because I know immediately you tune out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tune down. Well, yeah, you, know, you know it's gonna suck. That, it's that bit, but like the connection between like I know, I know. It's kinda of mean to saving though. I'm sure she's a wonderful person and, and you know. <laughs> Um, like I'm not rushing to see her superhero movie with Octavia Spencer. I'm just not. No, nobody is. <laughs> yeah, did anyone watch that? <laughs> uh, I mean, was she, it? she is possible though for one of the funniest things I've ever. Like I remember when I first saw this, I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen on TV, and that was her Sean Spicer impression on Saturday Night Live. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, yeah. That's that, absolutely brilliantly funny. But then yeah. she derailed it for the uh, I think it was the 50th anniversary of. Um, Saturday Night Live, and she came back to play Chris Farley's character. Uh, oh, uh, Matt, 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 Matt Foley. Matt oh, Foley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The motivational speaker. Yeah, uh, that that made me visibly angry <laughs> to watch. I was like, "How dare you?" You know. Just... Yeah, if you watch any of the old Saturday Night Lives compared to nowadays, it's, there's no comparison at all. Oh no 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 no. It's an, it was yeah, kind of embarrassing. It's, it's, it's one of the yeah. kind of shows where I'm happy it's still on just because it's been on forever. Kind of like The Simpsons. Exactly. Yeah, I to go off the air, but it's, it's not it's, any good it's, anymore. It's lost yeah. its edge. Yeah. It's not edgy anymore, guys, you know? Um, let's see. John Wick is getting a prequel spinoff series. Thank God. Yes, finally. Yeah. Hey, cool. hey! I, wait, I think we got our special guest. We do. We do. What's happening, everybody? Yo, let's go ahead and introduce there. for the third time. Three times a charm like, below it's like, it's the like a Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg movie for me. It's like <laughs> yes, third yes. time. 
This is the truly. This is the uh, the Return of the Jedi. This the is Holy the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one and only actor extraordinaire. He's been on some amazing projects, but lately you can catch him on the Righteous Gemstones and on Showtime. City on a Hill. Yeah, it's happening. James Dumont, glad to have you back on BTB. Glad to be back, man. I was trying to kick on through. I'm, I'm, I'm no, no, no slight to the original, the originators of Skype. They must have been, they must have been so pissed when Zoom came live. Like, ah, Zoom. Dudes, they don't know anything. We 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 monopolize. We got this. They're the OGs, but the OGs are like, oh no, we got you, buddy. So yeah, like, it was good to get back to the OG of Skype because I've been I've been zooming for the last you know four years now. So I literally just finished a Zoom to come over to Skype. So oh, like, there you go. Yeah, OG right. You get old school big time right here. Old school here, and of course, like with old school things, you know, you got your lingering issues, but nonetheless, we're happy to have. Check out our MySpace page after this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a telegraph uh, of my uh, of the of the of thing. So what's It'll going go on? With, what do you guys It'll go great with my laser disc collection. There you go. Well, I got I got reel to reel over here. So let's and an eight track. I actually, <laughs> I actually still have an eight track player in here. I, the do cool you really? Thing, yeah, I don't think you guys know this, but like my great great uncle was Alan Dumont, who was one of the inventors of the picture tube. And the first wow. television network was wow. the Dumont Television Network, which had Captain Video and the Show of Shows and this thing called the Jackie Gleason show. And they did this little oh, sketch wow. about a bus oh. driver named Alf and his friend named Norton. And that became the honeymooners. So wow. my family nice. was like, this back goes back to like the, you know, the forties. Um, and I have the Dumont 1000. It's an actual old school console. It's, le- it's the last one before they went out of business and it has cassette tape. It has real to re- you know, it has, it has a turntable. It has eight track. And then it has AMF, and it's in a console, and it's uh. So I have the Dumont 1000. So I have eight track tapes that still play. It is kind of weird because it's like, na 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 na. The song will kind of figure out. I mean, it's like who knows how old these eight tracks are? They're for you know. Well, so I that's that's well, the closest I had. I used to have reel to reel track too back in the day. Interesting. So, what a cool family like history. The size of a room. What's that? This uh this console. Uh, it was bigger, but we I had it totally redone. I had a friend of mine in Los Angeles who was a really good carpenter and he just got rid of all the extra stuff you didn't need. You know what I mean? It was and it's just birch wood and it's it's really I'll I'll take a picture of it and send it to you guys. It's it's I keep it in the hall hallway of, you know, but people go to the bathroom at my house and they're like, What's this thing? Oh, it's your name on it. I was like, eh, that's a cool little story there. But yeah. <laughs> it helps get all the women, right? What's that? It helps get all the women, right? Lay, oh yes, big time. You know the eight track. This, if you really want to score, you pull that eight, pull that eight track out in your in your in your in your IROC, your Chevy IROC, and you got that eight track in there. Man, there you go. Don't come and knock because I'm well, rocking the IROC. You know. You know. Oddly enough, cassettes are making a resurgence, so I I, I wouldn't oh, be surprised. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised about the thing. Cassettes sucked. No, because here's the thing. Cassettes don't. I was a DJ, so cassettes were the way I got business. But the thing about cassettes were, man, when you made a when you made a tape for a girl and you picked the right song, oh yeah, forever struck. 
my first loves. Like, I still have the cassette that she made for me. Like, it's got uh, Dire Straits on there. It's got Talking Heads. Uh, but I mean, like, she, I borrow that? she made mm. she made a cassette tape for me yeah. thinking about every song in our relationship. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you can't. You, that's Both not a deep Were they songs for the radio? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. that was even harder. You had to wait for the song to come on. Oh, yeah. For no, the last I, minute. Dude, I, I have cassette recordings of me doing my own radio show. You know, like back when I was like 10 or 12 years old, it's just, it's, it's ah, ridiculous. Cool. Well, you know, you got a lot of free time, you know, you like, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, so. I think that's a good segue, James, into Let's your 90 set show called City on a Hill. Yeah. Just checked bro. out the uh, season two uh, episode one um, uh, that you're in as Randy Finch. And yeah. it's all about the nineties. I loved all the nineties hair and the wardrobe and, the vehicles. I mean, they were really true to the time of the '90s. Very you've good. You got job. a couple of. You got a. You got a. Got a kind of a perfect storm here because you got Philly boy, uh, Kevin Bacon. You right. got Aldous Hodge, who's like just the emotional. Like the guy is a fucking bull. I'm sorry. Am I, yes. I, I'm allowed you to can say whatever. Right, right, right. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Because I remember our I, show, I, James. You remember? I know. I just gotta make sure. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Everything's so fucking PC right now. I, thank you. Thank you, James. I Somebody can't knock down the R word anymore. Come on, dude. <laughs> I, I love how that like triggers everybody now. It's like <laughs> kids say fucking retard. Like eh, that's if, if it applies. You know, if it applies. No, I'm just kidding. So the point oh, is, no. uh, there's a perfect storm because you kind of have you have that rawness that Kevin Break Bacon like he's got that Philly Boston thing kind of going. Yeah. Down. And Jack Orr, you hate, you love to hate him, and you hate to love him. And uh, if you did, you guys watch uh, my ep- episode I watched, five. I didn't watch five, but I watched the first one. Okay, yeah. dude, dude, dude. In episode five, he does this monologue about a fire. That's all I'm gonna fucking say. And it's, I just played it for my students uh, in terms of uh, on Zoom just now. Oh, cool. And everybody was like, "Wow, it's just, it, it was, it's a masterclass of of the way in which that he that he." He's got this guy down. Like, if they were to do an like submit for the Emmys, if he just submits this one little monologue he did in episode two hundred five, that's all you need. Like, go ahead, I'll put him up against any motherfucker on TV right now. It, it, it's so well done, and he's so masterful the way he does it. And and I'm happy to say, you know, now we've gotten to know each other because I met him on Patriots Day, and I did a cool thing on him at Patriots Day. Did I ever talk about this? So on Patriots Day, I came off of work in Deepwater Horizon. Yes. And Sorry. there were these other roles that, like, Mark had his friends that he, because it was in Boston, and it was, you know, about the, you know, he had he had people that he was picked, that he picked for some role, but Pete wanted me in. You know what I mean? I was Pete's boy. Mark had his boys, and he's back in Boston, right? And so there was some roles that I was, that I was kind of vying for that went to Mark's guys. And so I ended up having this kind of smaller role, but I just came off, like, 12 weeks Pick, you know, run to the picture in Deepwater Horizon with Pete. And I remember like one of the first days that Jeff Bridges came, he just came off of working Hateful Eight for Quentin Tarantino, where Quentin was like a like a taskmaster. Every comma, every period, it had to be done word perfect or right. we or no one eats. You know what I mean? No one <laughs> leaves the cabin. Till wow. It's right. So this is what this is what Kurt Russell was subjected to. And then. He gets gets on set and it's I've been working a few days before Kurt kind of came in and 
it was like he had this long, long monologue that he had spent the whole weekend working on. And I knew Pete was fast and loose with stuff. Pete was like, nah, 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 forget the words. We're just going to do blah, 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 blah. Let's, you're going to come in here. You're going to do this thing. And it was like, and so Kurt comes in and he starts to do the thing. And Pete's like, no, 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 Kurt, 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 Kurt. No, no, no. Throw all the words out. No, no, no. You're not going to do any of it. He goes, Pete, we got, we got two and a half pages. He goes, no, no, no. Right. Worry about it. Tell a fishing story. Just, just what? tell a fishing story. And all of a sudden, Kurt Russell's face just get blood red. And he goes, Pete, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> Snake Pleskin is about to do a beatdown on fucking Peter. Come, guys. Come look at this. I'm like, come check this out, Mark. He's about – and Mark's like, what's up? I was like, uh, you know, something's up. And, they, and you hear this like all weekend long. I, Peter, I worked on these words all – I gave up time with my kids. I didn't mm-hmm. go to dinner with them. I'm work. Nothing gets me more angry than working on words that are never going to end up in the movie. You right. Know? And, and Pete goes, puts his hand on his shoulder. He goes, I apologize, Kurt. I'm not, I'm not Quentin Tarantino. They'll, whatever you want to say in this entire movie from this point on is absolutely fine. Enjoy your time with your family when you're not working. He goes, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get here. Just figure out what's going on in the scene. Right. And, and he goes, I think I can do that. <laughs> and it's all good, right? You know, like, and then everything, and then everything's gravy from that. And then Kurt's like a happiest guy. So then I get to the, 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 the I get to Patriots Day, right? And I just finished work work with Mark and uh, Pete. Uh, just on the thing, and Mark pulls me aside, and we kind of play. We've been playing each other like we're like brothers. And you know, he's got a gun. He's look, I got to come over. Here. I want to talk to you like like he's gonna hit me or something, like a brother kind of thing. And he talks about how love he loved that they did a test screen of Deep Water. He loved my work in Chicago. He goes, that's why you're here. Pete and I love you. This is great. And I was, this is great. And then Kirk, and then Kevin comes over and he's got the same thing. He's got like three pages of dialogue and he is good friends with Michael Beach. And I know Michael Beach. And so I, at a certain point it kind of breaks before we get going. I said, Hey, uh, Kevin, I'm James. I, I just finished working with Pete on deep water. I just want to give you a heads up that don't be surprised if you don't end up saying all these words in this scene. You know, that Pete sometimes likes to fast and loose. And he's kind of looking at me like, I don't know who the fuck you are. I was like, who's this fucking guy? And, and because I'm, because Beach introduced me, he's like, no, he's a friend of mine. He's just worked with it for 12 weeks. Right. And so he's kind of like, okay, okay. And, and Kurt, Kevin's not sure how to fucking make it, right? And so he gives me, you know, the stink eye a little bit. And untrust, like, is somebody going to fuck me on this movie? You know, somebody out, out, out for me. And, he, and Pete walks over and he goes, hey, uh, forget about what the dialogue here is. Here's the main things I need to do. And he turns over and he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> he gives me this thumbs up. He goes, You're, I, I'm never going to forget this, dude. And, and then the minute that scene was over, he came over and he goes, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. He goes, we're going to have some fun. I said, oh, we sure are. And he goes, is he always like this? I said, yeah, man, it's like a corner man in boxing. And he goes, wow. All right, let's play. And it was like, then from then on, and then when I got on the set of City and the Hill, he was directing right. my first episode, and he oh, knew good. exactly who I was. Oh, He's good. like, I saw your audition. He goes, man, I, yes, I want that guy. It was awesome. And then so that's we how that happened. We were, yeah, we rehearsed it once, and then he he's like, I, I got no notes. He goes, no, no, no. I just let's uh, yeah, let's bring the crew in. Let's do, we just rehearsed it once. He goes, let's just bring the crew in. You know. And then he just sat by the monitor and he kind of watched, you know, and he goes, uh, 
we did it like three or four times. And then um, he kind of came over and he goes, that went better than I ever imagined that scene could go. And he goes, I really thank you for doing it because he knew that I – now, here's the other thing, a perfect storm. Tom Fontana, Homicide, St. Elsewhere, Oz, one of, the, one, of the, one of the executive producers in here. You got Tom Fontana and Barry Levinson as the executive producers, and you got this feel like you're, like you're watching the new, the new version of The Wire because it's that it's, – it's, Boston, it's Boston's version Boston, of The Wire, yeah, right? Boston, and all yeah. the corruption and the cops and the thing, right? So yeah. that that's the perfect storm in there, you know, is that you got you got the guys that have that were the the original homicide, which became the wire later, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then you got that Oz flavor, and then you got the New York mix, you got the Boston mixed in there, you know, and then you got and you got Aldous Hodge, and you got Kevin Bacon, and then you got uh uh, uh Jill uh, Hennessy from Law and Order doing a flawless kind of working class kind of Boston accent. I mean. It, for me, it, it, if you're looking for the binge watch, this is this is the thing, and everybody's looking for that kind of binge watch. I know it's on yes. Showtime. It's a little bit. Not everybody has Showtime. I get it. Some have people have. It's also on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. That's also, a- they did put a bunch of episodes for free on YouTube for, for people to watch. Like, if you want to see something that's like The Wire, go to YouTube and you can watch like the first episode of each season for free. No way. That's yep. That's really smart because this show should be watched more. Yeah. And we're just getting started. You don't, you, you don't. It's a fantastic series, James. Kevin and Bacon, you know, you do five years with Kevin Bacon. Kevin you know Bacon. I mean? And why ha- this show hasn't been recognized at the Emmys, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It takes a while. The Wire like, had the same problem. Yeah, say yeah. The Wire, it's something about David Simon and the Academy. I don't know what it is. It, it boggles yeah. my mind all the way through. See, yeah. Yeah, same thing when we were doing Treme. We just got ignored. I don't know what it is. It's an East Coast, West Coast gangster battle i don't know what <laughs> you know what I mean? it's just you know what rappers are better what you know what team yeah. you i mean david simon's take... coming back now to baltimore he starts both start up a show in july i know i know yeah. i've been i've been i've been all over that casting director like white on rice yes um, be i'll hope we'll be working on it so yeah, yeah. no sure dude absolutely because you know and also wow. i got a, i got a movie that i've been working on with uh, a mini series that it's going to be shoot a lot we're going to shoot a lot in baltimore takes place there in turn of the century. So it should be pretty fun. But um, yeah, I'm glad we're talking about city on a hill because I just, that I'm really digging. And then the next thing coming up, which is I'm telling you it's going to be hot shit is, um, is uh, Barry Jenkins uh, underground railroad for Amazon. Yeah. Should we go right into that already? Cause I did have a couple questions about Randy Fitch. Let's talk about Randy Fitch. Let's Let's see. Tell us about the the character. uh, What you what, how you brought on his accent first of all because is it a bostonian accent yeah, or is it, bostonian, North yeah. I just it is a bostonian it. accent yeah. yeah of which of which now i'm like you know there was so much time between episode 201 and episode 20 there was a whole different year <laughs> so it's like <laughs> somehow by the time we got to 205 eh, that boston accent was not as quite as sharp as it was right pronounced in the first that's just a little spoiler alert for those who are watching. And me, <laughs> me being the anal retentive, you know, uh, uh, you know, the master uh, artistry guy that I am. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, Randy Finch, you know, uh, it, it, what's kind of actually, because it falls into a little bit of like, the banker's work, which is one of the things for anyone that really doesn't understand what redlining is <clears throat> and how much it was, uh, what I call it economic genocide against African-Americans 
in my opinion, to not allow them to be part of the of the real system, right. to own to own property and to be able to finance and help each other's business, to 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 hold to hold back the financial structure is 100% calculated. There's no two ways about it. And I know this even when I grew up in Chicago, my dad was was trying to buy a business in a red lined area which forced him to have to put a 30% deposit down on on you know for the for the property because it Just was in because, a red line right. it was a red because it was deemed in a tough area around right. near downtown Chicago and that's that 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 prohibited my dad from really being able to to do all the things he was able to do and he's a white dude <laughs> do you know what i mean Right. Not a middle class. We were all middle class trying to do stuff. So there was there is a system in place, I believe. And I've seen it. I've experienced it, but nowhere near to the extent that others have. And so in this storyline, in terms of Randy Finch, there were certain areas, Hyde Park, uh, certain areas like there in Jamaica Plains. JP back then was predominantly white and JP now is still is still is, is becoming more predominantly African-American. So certain areas the, the the whites the working class whites did not want african americans in certain areas roxbury certain places they just mm. didn't want that 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 element to be there because okay. if you sell that to house to one person then they're going to move in and they'll have cousins and that and then all of a sudden there goes the neighborhood so there is there was you know finch was part of that fleet bank is a real bank in boston that was notorious for making for drawing the lines in a particular working class area to keep the whites there and keep mm -hmm. the blacks out. Yeah, and which is why you gave your scene partner such a hard time. Absolutely. Two weeks. Hey, if she's late, at, I would give two weeks to anybody else. But because she's black and she was two weeks late, uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to foreclose. You wow. know, and then because that other woman has power. And had money at the bank. It was a great role reversal thing. I'm not going to uh, uh, spoil it for everybody, but there is that you know there is a, it's a power scene, and and it's a, it, and it's race. It, it, it's 100 race. He moved from Hyde Park. Now, mind you, he moved from Hyde Park to become to go to this particular bank. So they had he was brought there as an agenda guy, right. you know. Get rid of the deadbeats, those who are not paying their mortgages on time. Anybody who's a different skin color who can't afford to be there, get you know you're brought from another area into there. It's not it wasn't by accident. Either he purposely chose it, or someone brought him in there as 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 the you know as the as the grim reaper. So you know it's it's a you know it's it's a it's an interesting kind of role. And then then you know the power structure switches a little bit when it gets to when it gets to as as it moves further along in the story but the, you know my scenes are with Grace Campbell it's, she's a great yes. character to follow if you guys were fans of um the other David Simon series uh about the porn industry on HBO oh uh, um you know what i'm talking about yeah come on you guys come on now let this wheel's turning i know it's turning uh, James James, um, James Franco was in it, played two different roles in it. It's about the porn industry. Whatever the case is, uh, my my oh, scene. The, the Deuce. The Deuce. The deuce. That's the it. Deuce. The Deuce. Thank you very much. The Deuce. Yeah. So yeah. My, my scene yeah. partner, uh, Parnell Walker. Parnell Walker. Parnell Walker plays deuce. Grace Campbell. Yeah. The, you know, one of the big, big, big buxom uh, prostitutes on Forty Seven, and she's a wonderful actress. So solid. She's friends, dear friends of mine, and we got to work together, and she's fantastic.
That's fantastic. I mean, the the first episode of season two was just so much happening. I mean, the, yeah. Kevin Bacon's lady friend ODing on cocaine yeah. and um, you know, being dropped literally scene. on literally <laughs> dropped on the scene. front of the just ER. dumps her on the sidewalk outside the. Yep. <laughs> roll just roll her out. Roll her out and peel off. And then Aldous Hodge being called a um, a Huxtable. Oh yeah. N word and then just like all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, <laughs> I think if we this would be the kind of show that you could take a shot of whiskey for every f bomb dropped. Oh, one hundred percent. This is definitely <laughs> yeah. For those are yeah. And when I'm doing my Q and As with actors, we do we have a we what called a buzzword. Yes. So when that buzzword is spoken, we all drink. And some people pick like love or audition or you know actor and i'm like oh dude we've done we've said it 10 times and we we're only 15 minutes in the show we got another hour and a half to go we're <laughs> gonna get shit faced you know so yeah put that against ozark so for all you for all you uh uh if you guys want to start drinking because we you know we're now now you can take your masks off in certain larger places yes. and, and if you're yes. looking for uh, to binge watch and binge drink uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm a new fan. I'm a new Sydney fan. James. Hill, uh, drinking game. I I'm all for it. If it gets you to watch, I'm all for it. I my, yeah. I mean, you, you're this first episode, and I again, I skipped ahead in preparation for having you on, but now I got to go back to season one. Yeah, let me get all that backstory going on. But it's yeah, a brilliant good. show. Thank you. It's Thank a very you. brilliant I, show. I'm a lucky dude to be part of it, and you know, I. I circled around that show many times in different roles in season one, and then this thing came up, and I was like, it was all kind of perfect. I just happened to be in New York at the time. Yeah. You know, ironically, before I went in, uh, uh, before I went in for that audition, and I went in live because it was it was still you know no COVID yet. Right. I had I had been sick. I had been, I got, I sat on a plane next to a couple, the January 6th of 2020, that just got off a cruise in San Francisco. You followed the early days of COVID, but it came off these fucking cruises in San Francisco. Because when I came home, I spent two full weeks coughing and losing sense of smell and taste. Oh, by the time, By the time I went to go get tested for the antibody six months later, there was no sign of it, but I'm telling you, I had something that I never had before in my life, and that, I, and so the day that I, the day before I went in for my audition, uh, that was February at that point. I had been so sick for so long, I had blood in my urine, all kinds of shit was happening. This I is before. Sure, this is before I went in. People the, knew what I, it was. I, I thought I had fucking lung cancer because I coughed so much. I had like a cyst on my on my rib cage. Jeez. And I thought, oh my God, I got, I don't smoke, but I got lung cancer. Right. And I looked it all up and it's, and I slept maybe two hours before I went into that audition. I saw my oh, funeral. Stop. I saw my kids crying. And then literally right after that audition, I went downtown and I got an x-ray on my chest to see, to, to find out if I had cancer. I literally thought I was a dead man when I went in. So those are the circumstances with which I, I got in. So when she goes, he goes, could you just be a little more racist? Could you be a little more angry? And I'm like, no problem. I got no problem with that. You know? He goes, come, come a little hard. And I'm like, no, nah, I got it. I'm good. Let me know when you're ready. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I'm so, you know, fear. I'm just. Yeah, you got you know? all that pent up And then the anger. minute I got out of there, yeah, they were like, I got it all out of my system. I got yeah. out of there. 
x-rays like dude there's nothing on there's no clouds there's nothing in your lungs okay. you know and then it turns out i just was like passing a stone like you know it's a kidney stone because i was on a stone. keto diet yeah, i was on a keto diet for three months and i like had you know max amounts of protein and no carbs and it's like yeah they were like of course i got it that's all it was oh that's all, all it was <laughs> i thought oh, i was baby. dead I saw, I saw my funeral, you know what I mean? I'm watching overhead, watching the kids cry, you know? <laughs> and this is the audition for City, this is for City on the Hill, right? Yes! Okay, okay. Best yes. sort of stands to audition. Right. Think, you, right. think you're dying. <laughs> that is, I'm the, like, there's an actor's And then you secret. get the gig, and you're like, thought I was dying. <laughs> and I got the job. Audition as if it was your last day. There it is. That's how you <laughs> Right on. Well, speaking of cocaine, because it was, it was kind of like the theme of uh, yeah. the, first, <laughs> the, the first episode you appeared in. I want to talk a little bit about righteous the steps. That's we use all the time, Al. We have to have a con. We, I think we all have to have intervention right now, Al. <laughs> when, you're, when, you, when you're segueing about coke, you go back to the coke. Let's go back to the cocaine. I remember <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, no one's talking right. about cocaine, dude. You're like, <laughs> righteous gemstones, man. Yes. That, that first episode, that pilot, my God. Yeah. Wow. Um, like, I had this to grip about. Now, when it's we last watched one. Comedy, what is it? Yeah. yeah. When we last had you on, James, you were talking about it. We hadn't seen it yet. Now the world has seen it. My Hopefully. God, it's a dark comedy, dysfunctional televangelist family, um, and just the the first episode is just just a WTF, what the fuck moment. Oh, oh yeah, when do, um, do you see two one? Oh brother, I've read all episodes in second season. Let me just you have you already right read. Now. Okay, wow. Let me tell you right now, I'm not giving you any spoiler alerts. Okay, we got another three years. What? Uh, what he's written and what he's laid out. Wait a minute. Is, it was green is, lit for green no, lit? or dude. Okay. There's enough there for three years. Is there enough for three years? Okay. One hundred percent. Holy we're, smokes. We're, go, we're going deep and wide. When you thought when you thought <laughs> Kenny Powers was about Kenny Powers, and then when that Kenny Powers story is over, so is the show. When it was just about two people, vice principals, when they were up, you know, then you're like, then where do we go with this? But when you have 60 storylines, 60 characters that you can choose from to build and then go back and people, the family history. Nah, dude. I told my son, I was like, don't be shocked if you're you on and your show. son will have work and, for, and you graduate college and you're still on this show. Dude, like, well, yeah, I, I read an interview that that um, Danny does intend for the show I to did. go longer than, than than Kenny Powers. Oh, yeah, He's bound absolutely. Yeah, one of yeah, yeah. He, they've wow. really set up the family tree, the storylines, the, the 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 yeah. It, it's it's going because what I've seen in the, I was hoping for it, but when you start out in, when you two oh one, we're we're going deep and wide. That's all I can okay. tell you. Okay, so twenty twenty one later twenty twenty one is when we're getting uh, season two. I guess is we because we're, we 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 got pushed back an entire year due to COVID. Yeah. Due to COVID, but last time what we did is we shot all through the summer and we we aired in October. I hope that's what we're gonna do again because our we had a, we had the great spot. We had the old uh, Game of Thrones spot. Succession was our opener and then it was us. So Dude. if they can keep us in that same Game of Thrones spot and Succession is our opener, yeah. nah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, that is absolutely I just, you know, brilliant. Like, yeah, no, dude. 
I'm, I'm telling you, if you guys love season one, season two is like it, it you know, let it fly. Yeah. And Chad, you were just thanks. your Chad character, James, was just just was was great to watch. It was a joy to watch. Um, and not my dick. I think we talked about that. I have a body. That's double. what I want. That's what I was going. That's what I was going I for. You yeah, going for the pin dick. Did know, you consider doing uh, your own nudity? I did. You did consider it. I did. Because I did Six Degrees of Separation on Broadway back in, in 1990, where I was full frontal, uh, oh, eight, eight shows eight shows a week. So hopefully I wasn't no that problem. cold. Hopefully it wasn't a cold on I, you know, I made sure, you know, I kind of, you know, you got to play, you know, just you <laughs> shake it a little bit before you get on there. It's got some good, it's got good AC over at Lincoln Center. I could tell you that. But my okay. only costume was, was a pair of socks, you know. Okay, yeah, so my point on. is, I'm not afraid of that. That, did, that didn't bother me. Now, mind okay. you, I was... You know, I had like 7% body fat and I had long hair and I, you know, I, I look like the guy that ate that guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, now I look like the guy that, that ate that guy on a, on a plane, uh, plane crash. But the point is, uh, I, so I'm not afraid to throw the old boy out there. I'm happy and blessed, you know, thank my, thank my father and my jeans. It's all good. Okay. Good. But, but, when it comes, but when it comes to film and television now, Yes. This whole fucking, you know, this shit and like, oh, let me screenshot. Oh, the the let me, yeah. like, let me get you up on like, you know, whatever. There's websites or something of, you know, yeah. I've, I've heard there's websites of naked scenes from movies. I'm not saying that I've ever been to one. Yeah, Mr. Spin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Mr. Whatever it's just, called. But that's yeah. just for women. That's just for women, though. Yeah, yeah they don't do men. The point is, you don't need anybody taking pictures of your junk, you know? And yeah. I got kids. So... But then here's what they did is they lied to me and they said, uh, well, you know, Danny's going to do full frontal. Everybody's doing full frontal this season. And I, and, and we, knew about euphoria, we knew about euphoria and I'm like, you know what? I'm calling bullshit on that. I don't think Danny McBride who has a like multi-million dollar deal with HP. I don't think he's putting his dick out. I don't, I, I say bullshit. I call, I call, I'm a poker player. I'm calling your bluff motherfucker. I'm calling it, right? <laughs> and so I did. And then the casting directors had this is where the cast directors, they still kind of they they make a joke about it, but there's a little they hate me a little bit. Cause they're like, James, we had to look at like 200 people's dicks to pick what? this one. And so then it was like, and then when they picked it, he They literally when you get oh, dick yeah, no, picks, they, they had literally to, got had to do it. Yes, and they had to so do it. And people had to sign like releases and it was only gonna be you know, you had to pull it down and you had to show your belly. You had to be totally nude because it, it was my belly. And, you know, and this one dude, I love him. I, I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm such an asshole that I don't. You only know the on, name of his dick. <laughs> he's on IMDb. He gives himself credit. And here's the thing. So then I go, I'm like, dude, why did you pick the, it's like, Danny, why did you pick the guy with the smallest dick? It's like the pin <laughs> dick. Because it was funny. It's really funny. <laughs> And I go, yeah, but now people think I have this little fucking thing. I can't get fucking laid at school because generationally they think he's got a pin dick too. You look so bad. So killing my son's game, this is not good for everyone. He goes, you had a chance to set the record straight. Did they yeah. did they not ask? Did they ask you first? I was like, yeah, I was doing a pilot. He goes, yeah, no, you could have set the record straight if you wanted to. And I'm like, fuck you, you big fry. You're making it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. 
Dick isn't on this show. He's got some 89-year-old yoga instructor that like has this little shriveled dick up there. That's not your dick. Like, you fuck you guys. Like, I'm like, I'm not taking one, you know? But I love the dude because he went on IMDb and he said he's my body double, and he is. And I go, dude, why would you why would you advertise to everybody that you're the that that's your dick? And he goes, It's a recurring role. I'm recurring on an HBO series. He goes, I'm an actor. I just, you know, and I was like, dude, I love this guy because that's dick. You know what I mean? My body double. I love you, man. If you're out there, I, I fucking, you can take one for the team all the way, all the way through. So yeah, there's, there's the long wind story of that one. Yeah. I thought you were going to go through all the dick pics and pick which one looked like yours. That's no. what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> the cat directors hate me because they had to go look at everybody's dick. They're going, <laughs> we have Emmys. We've done thousands of shows. Right. Never had we had to look through people's dicks. <laughs> what did you make us do? And I go, you know, you shouldn't be putting pressure on me. If this is a woman, you would never say this shit to me. Right. It's right. like, yeah, show, show your twat. You know, it's like, right. you would never say that. You would never say that. You'd never be what? angry at a woman to do it. So why is it? It's a double standard, you know? Yeah. In, so, in yeah. general, male nudity, male frontal nudity in Righteous Gemstone season one. Dude, so oh, maybe... I think he was trying to compete with Euphoria because I don't know. Euphoria is like, it's like there's every time you turn around, there's a dick happening. You know what I mean? Like Game, <laughs> of, Thrones, Game of Thrones ain't shit. You know, Euphoria. That was more, fem- that was more female nudity. In yeah, Game absolutely. Of Thrones. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. He, keep up with because he, because he said, look, there'll be a lot of full frontal nudity when he's pitching. He told me a story. I was pitching to HBO. He's like, we're planning to do a lot of full frontal. And they go, well, you know, we got Euphoria. And then Danny turns to David and he goes, how many? How many? Uh, how many uh, episodes do they have uh, full frontal? And they go, I don't know, like four or five. And he goes, All right, well, we're gonna have at least double that. Oh God! <laughs> like, and then and then he goes, I thought that would kill the deal, but well, they seem to be all right with it. Oh you know? my like, gosh! So. They're trying to make it less taboo, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> that is crazy. What can you tell us about Chad in season two? Uh, Chad uh, is. Um, can't tell you too much story, so there's good shit, is all I can tell you. Okay. Uh, yeah, and we're still part of the team. Last season, we were called the Goon Squad. We have a new name for our posse. And uh, yes. Chad's got some really I, – I call it Chad 2.0. So all right. There's some, good, there's some good shit in there. And there's some ideas that I want to play around with that I haven't got to set to do it. My son plays Pontius Gemstone. Um, yes. uh, I don't start till June. I do June through September. He nice. started back in uh, early uh, early April, uh, okay. maybe March. Oh, he yeah, already he's on he's on set. This, he's this. already yeah he's already gone back uh, three times twice now, or he's going to be a third time uh-huh. at the end of uh, next what month. A, right? What a joy so, to work with your son, uh, dude! I know we don't have any scenes together yet, but yeah. we work in the summer. You know, and we get to be in Charleston together, and we got a family <laughs> there, and so it's really yeah. uh, a joy. It still kind of blows my mind. And if you didn't know uh, the rest of the panel, uh, James' son plays Dan McBride's son. Yes, and John Good's grandson. Oh, wow, little, uh, gemstone, the angry middle son. Yeah, the middle son. And like, we all know about the oldest son, the scumbag he turned out oh, to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After, after that. So what a well-written show. Okay, let's move on to Underground Railroad. Yeah, what can you tell us about this? I, I see that it's going to drop in May, and you're yes. going to be in episode two. Yes. So far, at least. Yeah, no, for sure. Episode two. Uh, um, I, I have have any more than that, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's the 21st century roots. 
in terms of what its impact is going to be. It, it, look at all the trailers for it. It's it's viscerally, uh, visually a masterpiece. Barry Jenkins, uh, who did Moonlight and um, If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, it's just, uh, it's it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a, an Emmy and Golden Globe winning miniseries. He did, he directed all eight episodes. Oh, wow. So he did eight feature films, if you think about oh. it. But the music, I believe the music is Terrence Blanchard. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but it, watch the trailers for it. It's really quite powerful. It's based on- I a actually few, did. It looks yeah, the, great. It looks fantastic. Book. It, it, each episode is going to be- just arresting. So I think it's going to be kind of, uh, I get, I just, I'm, I'm a luckiest fucking guy. I don't know how I get in these projects. It's no, like, it's brilliant. And, you know, it's I don't know much talent, about man. it, but you know, for me, that was like an interesting kind of wish fulfillment in the sense that, um, I, uh, I remember watching moonlight and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie moonlight, but there's a scene in moonlight yes, yes. at the, at the, uh, at the jukebox and it's these two guys that have not seen each other in a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. He goes, well, it was that song. And then he goes over and he like clicks this, clicks the song and then he turns around and it's this, this moment between the two of them. And it's like, shibop, shibop, my baby, shibop, seems like a mighty long time. And it's right. like this fucking incredible. And I go, what kind of director gives an actor that kind of that moment like no dialogue just music playing and just locked in connection between each other and i go that's a fucking director i want to work with like that's and i said that out so loud awesome. like that's a director i want to work with and mm -hmm. next thing you know i'm auditioning for this thing and i didn't i guess i didn't look at it closely i did the audition and then after the fact that i looked to see that barry jenkins was directing it and then when they checked uh -huh. my avails i was like you're kidding me. And then it was like, you booked it. It's working in Atlanta. It was like a little difficult because I was doing a reshoot of Spencer Confidential in Boston. And then I was getting my daughter off to college. It was like everything ha was happening the same week that I'm trying to say goodbye to my daughter. And I had to get up at four in the morning, <laughs> you know, and like I couldn't put her say goodbye and walk her to her dorm, but her mom did. And I was just like, and then I got to get on a plane. Then I got to do Spencer. Then they got to fly me down to Atlanta. Then I got to do all my costume and hair. I got all this. It's a period piece. And so it was a, you know, and then when I got on. Hair. So your character will have hair. I will care. I will have hair. Yes. <laughs> How did you like wearing the wig? Exactly. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> um, reminds me of when I had hair. Um, <clears throat> but the thing was, I had been close with Michael Beach since, since, um, uh, he was in a Beale Street could talk and, um, he was also in Patriots day with me and he and I are close friends and he, uh, he doesn't do projects that are, that are of that kind of slave era, you know, even though he's worked with Barry before. Right. So he's like, that's just a taboo for him. So I was kind of surprised he wouldn't be part of it cause it's pretty amazing, but he is, you know, I understand and respect everybody's, uh, you know, and wishes. Aldous did a very <laughs> similar show to underground railroad. Yeah, you? very much so. <clears throat> underground with my with my roommate in new york pj marshall right. amazing right. actor that i definitely recommend you guys talk to um because he's doing off-broadway version of hurley burley coming up which is going to be the first one of the first thing things going back into new york in live theater um and pj was on underground and was the overseer and has incredible scenes but but i digress so my point is i get on set and barry was like he came up to me goes hey I saw your audition and 
I watched it and he goes, you're, I said, that's the father from Dallas Buyers Club. And I was like, what? And he goes, I remember seeing that movie and I go, wow, this scene is so intense and powerful. You yeah. know, this scene is like, like a, a, a turning point in the movie, you know? And I was, and he, and he goes, I just remember seeing it and seeing your work. And then your audition came in and he goes, I know who that guy is. I said, yeah, let's get, let's, let's pick him. I want to work with him. And nice. I said, that's, and that's very funny. You should say that Barry, because I said, all I need to tell you is the diner scene in moonlight. I watched that scene and I go, who, I said, that's the kind of director I want to work. He goes, well, this is meant to be, man. They're meant to we be. Very amazing. Like we were meant to work with each other, and and then I was like, it was just magical all the way through. There was a, a hard timing to our scene, a lot awesome. of camera shots. There was an explosion going off. There's a big fight scene. There was all these complicated things, and I, I just was on on my game that day, just totally on my game because I'm fulfilling a, a wish fulfillment. I'm working with the guy I said wow. I got to work with that guy who also said I want to work with you too, and it was just like boom. So then cut to the Golden Globes. I go out to L.A. And I got invited to the Amazon party and I go and uh, the first person I walk into the room and see is Barry Jenkins. Nice. And I'm not sure he's going to remember who I am. I never make assumptions about it. He goes, James, he goes, I was just cutting <laughs> your scene today. Oh, good. Like, <laughs> of course he remembers you. <laughs> Come on. You're too <laughs> modest. <laughs> it was just too hilarious. So, so yeah, so that, that project's going to sweep, dude. Wow, I mean, Lily Ray. I think everybody's going to be talking about him, I'm telling you. Joel Edgerton, Will Poulter, Megan June. What else can you tell us about your Abraham character? Uh, Storyline, I can't say much, but, but, and I'll be on, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to hype it. it, I don't have a lot, but I have a nice, big, crucial scene where things kind of turn for the the main characters. So the fun part is I'm in a scene where, there's a you know a, a major shift in terms of the focus of one of the main characters, and I have a I have something to do with that in that regard. But it's like it's it's a period piece. I got the greatest costume, they you know makeup they did like uh, you know everything is just. Well, know, I can't wait to see the wig when it comes out. I, I I I took a pic. <laughs> I actually was not supposed to take pic, but I have a still. Once it comes out, that then still can post it on I've been media. using it for a headshot, you know, for yes. period pieces. Right. I have, agents use it internally we never send it out anywhere right but it's like it's such a great look for me that it's like it could open up a whole bunch of peaky blinder shit for me you know oh, there you go peaky <laughs> blinders. You know I mean? I'm, like, I'm gonna get my peaky blinders in yes. or, you know what i mean so uh it's really good shit it's good stuff that is wild yeah. James, wow, we, we thank you so much for joining us on Below the Belt Show for the third time. And uh, I know we wanted to get you back because of all these amazing things you're doing, man. City on a Hill, you got Righteous Gemstone Season 2, and of course, Underground Railroad. James, yeah. thank you so much. Absolutely. If you could, before we let you go for good measure, yeah, yeah. Let, us, let us know who you are uh, throughout uh, City on a Hill, Righteous Gemstone, Underground Railroad. Yep. Let us know you're on below the belt and throw out some something crazy or funny or whatever Absolutely. at the end. That's right. It's uh, hey, this is James Dumont from Righteous Gemstones and uh, Spencer Confidential on Netflix. And uh, if anybody knows about Below the Belt, I got to be on the Below the Belt show. It's like yeah, you know, I I can't see my belt, so uh, that's why I like to hang with the boys from the Below the Belt. And if you want to see Below the Belt. <laughs> 
of James, go watch Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, it's not, it's not my penis, but, but you should all... <laughs> If you're looking below the belt, exactly. So when I'm when I'm when I'm looking below my belt, I always go to below the belt. So the below the belt show, you're in the right spot. Um, anything else? Oh, that's perfect. That's yeah, that's dude. Awesome. Oh yeah. wow, of course, Spencer Confidential as well. Wow. Yeah, dude. We we just broke a hundred. Uh, we just broke. Yeah, they said a hundred million households. Oh, smart. it was 85, 85 million households at the end of 2020. They, we just we were just told that it, it that it broke a hundred hundred million households. James, wow, uh, I, yeah, the top top top. I think it's number one in, in Netflix. So wow, gonna, first time we had you on, you're the creepy guy from Stranger Things. Yes, <laughs> no. and now you're on all these amazing shows. So I, I love the the um the uh the arc that you've had in your career you, since, since we got, we've had I got you some on. Cool stuff that I can't talk about, but we're gonna but we'll have we'll, we'll, we're, we'll have you back for all that good yeah, stuff, man. I know, but three's three's just not enough. Yeah, like, <laughs> and like of if, course if I'll, I do another Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg film, we get to four, and then that's what we, means we got to go four. So and and especially that project you have based in Baltimore. Yeah, well, yeah, I would love I would love that 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 may be a while before we can wrap up that. I can talk a little bit about that guy, which is a show that I uh, my own pilot that I wrote, um, and uh, along the lines of like Curb and Louie, and it's pretty fun. And I, I put a few little things of it on Instagram on James Dumont uh, as my Instagram right. t- handle, but it's uh, called That Guy. So between right. somebody and nobody is that guy. Yes, so it's kind of like it's kind of what's it like to be in like fame purgatory? It's a really funny little comedy, and I my son it. is in there. Uh, was, he was much younger. We did a scene with my son. Then we have a scene with my manager. And I'm working with an editor right now in Los Angeles to cut another a scene with uh, – I do like a kind of a – it's my my little version of like kind of Sopranos meets uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of okay. like. So it's a scene with a, myself and my and my faux therapist. Okay. But really, really fun stuff. Um, I'm doing it in small kind of little segments of like little five-minute scenes for now. Okay. And uh, I'll probably keep it that way. There's a little taste of things rather than try to put it in a cohesive thing. But okay. um, and I have a whole Bible written and it's, it's exciting. I, I shot a whole bunch. I have like 300 hours of stuff. Wow. But I, I'm just so busy self-taping and I've been teaching on Zoom. So, you know, five times a week. So it's been. Uh, but yeah, when when acting uh, you coach, it, too, can you, yeah, can you dude. promote your. So you, you do freelance acting coaching? Yeah, I do or, freelance acting coaching, and then I do an on-camera workout on Zoom. I did that. I've been doing it for a full year now. I have about 400 students from as far away as Italy to San Francisco and from Florida to okay. Maine. Is and there a uh, website for that for the instructions? Yeah, it's on the Facebook page. It's on the James, Facebook page. It's on James Dumont's on-camera workouts on nice. Zoom. It's a long-winded title. And we got OnCameraWorkouts.com locked up, but I haven't. But we're just fixing the website now to get it up. But, but on fa- it's a Facebook page called James Dumont's On Camera Workouts on Zoom, and um, got about 700 people on there. And then I've had you know four to 500 people kind of float through in the last year. But on Monday nights we do a lab where actors who want to create original content, or if there's people who want to have their material read with actors, it's kind of like an incubation. It's called you know it's a performance lab, writing performance lab. Okay. And then Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, I do an on-camera workout. So I'll send material, real current active audition material uh, that stays within us and stays proprietary. Uh, I'll send it to actors. They work on the material. They can shoot it, upload it onto our Vimeo page. And then we watch playback and they get feedback. They also get, you know, two. So they'll shoot two to three auditions a week. It's almost like I'm their agent. So it's uh, those are the on-camera workouts, it's like going to the gym. So Tuesday and Thursday nights, and we did today, Wednesday afternoons. 
I do mm -hmm. like a lunch crunch, same thing. And then Wednesday nights, like I did tonight, is uh, I do lab work. I've broken down my techniques into four different cores, one core, one, two, three, and four, in terms of first moments, dissecting material, eye lines. Um, and then um, uh, those are on Wednesday nights. And then Friday nights, I do a Q&A, which I recommend to you guys. I do a Q&A, actor-to-actor Q&A on Zoom. And it's always geared, it's always, it's for charity. So I've had Ed Asner, I've had Michael Chiklis, I've had, oh, nice. you know, uh, uh, Michael O'Neill, I've had uh, uh, Robert Wisdom from The Wire, I, you know, I've had tons and tons of people. And so um, I've raised almost $13,000 in less than a year for about 50 wow. different So they, you know, people, my students get it for free. Uh, my regular students get the Q&As for free. Everybody else pays. It's two hours. We drink, we swear. Everybody tells their, their <laughs> journey. You know, it's, it's pretty it's like hilarious. an episode of City on the Hill. And Absolutely. And I think my guest this this week is a guy who's the SAG vice president in Utah. But the next week after that is Patrick Kilpatrick. If you guys knows who that is, guy's been in like 200 things. So I like to do the actor's journey stories, um, and they're all for charity. You know, all right? Awesome. So it's really Very fun. Cool. But yeah, dude, I've been that's what I've been doing, and you know, then I got this huge audition for London. It's got due on Friday, so. Ooh, well, good luck with that. And, of course, we're looking forward to Righteous Gemstone Season 2 and more City on the Hill. And, uh, James, thank you so much. It was awesome. Dude, appreciate you guys. I always love being here. Should we do our little thank snapshot you. before yeah, we do it. Chachi? Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Chachi, take it away. All right. On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Awesome. Nice. James, Incredible interview as always. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks again. Oh, grab this. Let me grab this. Uh, is it still? Grab the shot. There it is. There it is. Thank you guys. Appreciate awesome. you. Thanks so much, James. Well, appreciate you guys. Take See care. Right, bye. bye. <laughs> awesome. James is a great, uh, great talent. Um, and uh, wow, great to have him on below the belt. Show. We uh, went a little long with uh, James because. Uh, he is quite the talker, but in a good way. In a good way, guys. A lot, lot of cool projects. He's got, some, he's got some great stories. I love that story about the righteous test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely, man. How much time does everyone have? Like a like a minute. Yeah. yeah. Should I we wrap it up? Yes, yes. Okay. There is one super cool project that I uh, really would love. No, no, I'll make it really quick, guys. <laughs> It's the Flintstones. They're actually going to do a new animated series on Fox. It's going to be called Bedrock. And oh, it's yeah. a Isn't, sequel. Is it supposed to be Family Guy with the Flintstones attached to it? I think so. Elizabeth Banks will be playing Pebbles. So Pebbles will be 20 years old in this um, So version. it's a sequel. Yeah, so it's a sequel. So that's coming up. So that's just something to look forward to. I they already had that before. Fox. They had like Pebbles and Bam Bam growing up. Yeah, you know, that, I thought, a, that was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. That they yeah, had. I thought so, too. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know why the uh, they're doing a series on Fox with Fantasy Island because the movie failed. <laughs> but they're doing a Fantasy Island. But this one will be Ricardo Montalban's um, Descendants. So it's a, uh, a, um, a generational tale of, mm. of uh, <laughs> Fantasy Island. And that's... Um, well, the fantasy well, island that went to theaters was um, a little different. It's, from a, the it's a lot different. Well, yeah. <laughs> was the fantasy island movie like? I it's, don't just, really it's just it's just it's just a dumb horror movie. 
Yeah. I don't really know much about the Fantasy Island lore or anything like that, but there have been a lot of Fantasy Island projects through the years. Right. And, like, there was a, a Malcolm McDowell one for a while on TV, like, for a short time. And, uh, I didn't know about that one. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. I, I, just remember, I just remember there being, like, commercials for it. And I was like, hey, that's Malcolm McDowell. And then I completely okay. forgot it. Well, Ros- <laughs> Rosalind so. Sanchez from Devious Maze will be playing the lead in that one. So, but just I, something to look out for. And I, do, um, yeah, was, I guess they're not all connected, are they? They're not like all continuations of the same universe or anything like that. No, no think I so. No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And really quick, is anyone familiar with World of Darkness? No. You mean like Vampire the Masquerade and things? Yeah, like that? Jesus. Yeah. They're yeah, they're they're adapting that for the big screen and the small screen. They had a they had a Vampire the Masquerade TV show in the nineties. And uh, it was called something else. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember there being one, and it had because like there were like very distinctive things, like they had like vampires and different clans and everything like that. And they took it directly from the from that. Um, it was like a, a tabletop role playing game. Yeah, but, yeah. But it also like there was like a werewolf one and like one that had like ghosts and. I remember those books were like really cool. I used to love reading them. Mm. Oh, cool! And, I'm, curious, I'm curious how they'll do this uh, adaptation. So look out for it. And the cartoon was called Pebbles and Bam Bam Show. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah. it sounds vaguely familiar that they've done that already. Yeah. And last but not least, guys, I cannot believe Elon Musk will be the first non-actor and non-athlete to host Saturday Night Live. Why? Elon Musk. There's been a lot of musicians, musicians hosting it before. Yeah, but um, Elon Musk isn't funny. <laughs> yeah, he's not funny. In fact, they didn't they make fun of him in a uh, episode of uh, Family Guy? I think. I think they did. Um, I, I get but, it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like a, a tusk, Elon Tusk, and they had like uh, Elon <laughs> Musk with big tusks coming out of his. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm curious to see how because you know. The host has to participate in these skits. I don't know how that's going to happen or how that's going to go. So, so it's going to be like uh, like when Steven Seagal hosted in the 90s, which is right. like infamously thought of as like one of the worst like <laughs> yeah. big Saturday Live debacles ever. Right. <laughs> I mean, he can't be yeah. less funnier than most of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, speaking of Saturday Night Live, Leslie Jones will be hosting the MTV Movie and TV Awards. Speaking of not funny. And that's going to be on May 16th. Yeah. <laughs> she was actually okay at, at coming to America. Ah, uh, that's your opinion. No. She had some funny moments on that, you know, when she was she getting. Has the... The, she has the tendency, like certain other people, to play the same character in every face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that bathing scene, yeah. Which, which is weird because, like, just by virtue of being on Saturday Night Live, you have to play, like, so many different kinds of characters. So, yeah, that's the reason you get cast. You're yeah. supposed to come in with, with your original stuff. Yeah. That's, that's part of the casting process. You create new characters that they can use on the show. Right, right. Yeah. So, like, it's weird, like, you know, since then, that's all she plays is the exact same character. In yeah, the, yeah. Slightly, the loud, slightly annoyed black woman. Yes. yes. That's, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> She knows her. She knows her niche. Um, <laughs> make, make your money. You know. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll close the birthdays. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday to Anne Margaret, who's eighty. Um, 
Tonight Show host Jay Leno, former Tonight Show host. Um, uh, Jay Leno, 71. Um, Bridget Monahan of, of uh, Blue Bloods is 50. And, of course, the uh, baby mama for Tom Brady's uh, son. Um, Jorge Garcia from Hawaii Five O and Loss is 48. The lovely Penelope Cruz is 47. Um, the Property Brothers twins, Drew and Jonathan Scott, are 43. The beautiful Jessica Alba is 40. Can you believe Jessica Alba is 40 oh. already, guys? Oof. They grew up so fast. I know, right? Harry like Shum- CEO, too, and like a legit CEO. Like, uh, but honest um, products, yeah. Yeah. It's just, she's not like, Sam- like Sammy Sosa is the CEO of another company. Right. But it's totally like a figurehead. No, uh, Jessica Alba did the work. Like, she's yeah. like. Wow. Harry Shum Jr. of Glee is 39. Jenna Uskowitz, also from Glee, is 35. That's birthdays today, and we already mentioned the the major uh, passing uh, this week, which was um, Shock G. yeah, Shock G. So uh, there was no other um, major celebrity deaths to report this week. Good. Yeah. So usually we it's a, a somewhat of a longer list. But, yeah. Uh, well, now that you've said something. <laughs> yeah, but right. I've said something. Yeah. Rest in peace, Shock G. Guys, amazing show from top to bottom, guys. I'd like to thank, mm. of course, Brittany Joy. Wow, the lovely cosplayer. Mm. If you want to see some very hot cosplay, check out Brittany Joy's um, Instagram page. Her Electra um, and Mike the General Azad, I had to laugh out loud, but I got to be really careful about how I laugh about the Psylocke joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally regretted saying it after. <laughs> Oh, boy, I shouldn't have said that. That's okay. We forgive you. We forgive you. <laughs> Jesse's like shaking his head. <laughs> not, not saying anything. <laughs> it's okay, General. It's all good. Uh, Brittany well, she, was fantastic. She was talking about how like she had this the um, she wants to know, fit the look. She has yeah. to fit the look and how much yes. she does. And that was the first thing that popped in my popped head. In your mind. Man. No, you you bring up a very valid point. General but... demands perfection. Uh... <laughs> really, thank Brittany for being an amazing uh, guest and guest co-host in the earlier part of the program. James Dumont always knocks it out of the park. Great interview. Check him out on City on the Hill. And uh, Righteous Gemstones and the upcoming Underground Railroad. And I'd like to thank, of course, the current panel, starting with... The king of the 80s, Chachi McCoy. We have Mike the General Zod. We have hardcore bloodshot Jesse Fresco. And I'm Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Oh, a closing cut. Nine Inch Nails. Why not? The uh, the now two-time Oscar winner. Yeah. Uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Any votes for a particular favorite Nine Inch Nails song? March of the Pigs. March Pig's pretty good. Or, I like Terrible Lie. Terrible Lie's good. Mm. Or like something you don't hear much, but it was a great song, We're In This Together. That's also a really Yeah, good. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. It was We're weird when this... they actually used that on the first trailer for the first Avengers movie. That was odd. Oh, okay, you <laughs> yeah. know what? All right, let's play that one, because I, I don't think we've played that on the show before. All right, General, <laughs> if you could announce the song. All right, well, this is for the now two-time Oscar Award winner, um... Trent Reznor, this is Nine Inch Nails with We're In This Together. Is it We're In This Together or We're In This Together Now? We're In This Together. Okay. I remember because it's only four words. It's on my iPod. Okay, great. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Here is the Peace. 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 Peace.
Well, it has been a ill show tonight and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying. Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.